the crypt. Yes, yes, y'all. It's going down right now. Episode 59 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horrors coming at you live. I am your host, Mood616. And of course, I've always got my two crypt keepers by my side. NES Ruler, also known as Jeremy. And of course, we got the Double Shot J, also known as JP. What's going on, guys? Hey, Harry Carey. You know, JP doesn't know who Harry Carey is. You know, Moons, with that intro, you know, the Crypt Keeper, uh, I would be the Vault of Horror guy. You would obviously be the Crypt Keeper being the host. Jeremy is the witch that nobody knows about, so. <laughs> the witch, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> awesome. Jeremy, you're back. And, of course, we're all back, actually. It's been yeah, a little wow. bit of a hiatus due to some technical difficulties. Fuck. Technical difficulties. Three weeks ago. Yeah, Let's man. Listen. This has been a rough go. This has been a really rough go. I've been so fucking frustrated. So just to let the viewers know out there, we've been ready to go every week. It's not like we've been slacking purposely or anything. But I've been having some internet issues and stuff, and we just could not record. And we were, like, literally at this stage, sitting here in front of our mics going... What the fuck? It's all Canadians' fault. Yeah, it so, is, man. I, some weird technical issues, man. Fucking strange, but it happened. So what happened was right after the Tales from the Halloween episode, Jeremy was coming back. We was all ready to go for episode 59, Children of the Night. It was going to be. The week right after we posted the Tales from the Halloween episode, we were ready to go. Went to record, and it's a no-go. So then yeah. we regrouped, came back the next week. We was going to do the Tales from the Crypt season one and it was a no-go again but <laughs> finally fucking moods man finally let's not jinx ourselves knock on yeah man uh, i i honestly can't explain what ju- you know what was going down but you I know can your fucking canadian internet sucks dick yeah i guess, I guess so it, it's so weird how it just happens like that like it just starts shit in the bed so bad and all at once but like whatever else in canada yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like somebody named the Blue Jays. Well, I can't say that. The Cubs fucking suck too, so that's all right. <laughs> Whatever, man. At least we're going to game six. So Yeah, yeah at least we made it. At least yeah. you guys made it. How many six. games did you make it to, Jeremy? Four. You know, I, have like to say I do have to say I am a little surprised that the Cubs didn't win one game. I'm really with, surprised, uh, right. honestly. I, I honestly thought yeah. that we're going to, you know, like I don't want to say easily, but – you know, obviously, I don't know that much about baseball, but I thought they were—I thought they were the favorites to, to, you know, go to the World Series after, you know, going through both Pittsburgh and uh, the Cardinals. And the fucked up thing is, they were seven and zero against the Mets during the season, so that shows you how much jack shit that means. Yeah, it's like it's like it, all it, it's we, like all sports. Yep. The regular season stats don't really match up at all, and when it comes to playoffs, because everything changes. You know, pitching steps up their games. Well, yeah, and they outpitch us. That's the pressure. Only pressure playoffs. alone, right? Pressure yeah. alone is a huge factor when you're talking playoffs. When you're talking about the most important games of your you know life, maybe they killed us, man. It was mm-hmm. not as, I it mean, not as bad. Is it as hard like, to watch? Not as bad as like fourteen to two, like Jays, <laughs> but it was pretty. Yeah, but uh, but you know that that's that's what happens when Ari Dickey goes one point two, and then we have to use our fucking entire bullpen that was already shorthanded. You see, you guys heard what happened in that game, right? So we ran out of pitchers, and we had to throw Pennington in our backup second baseman to pitch. Yeah, that's like <laughs> first time used to pitch for the White Sox. Like, but the game was so far gone, and then of course we came back in Game Five, and uh, Estrada pitched basically a gem, and we took that one, so that's good. But yeah, it does. It all comes down to pitching, man. Ari Dickey just sucked dick that night, and we fucking blew it big time, and. It happens. It's all about pitching, man. Tomorrow so. could end it all again. Well, we got uh, 
uh, Price on the mound, which fuck, I don't even know. I, I'm not, co- I'm not confident in Price right now because he's just had a really bad playoff career. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have one starting win in his career. So hopefully he gets his first tomorrow to push Game Seven. Then it's a brand new series. So. Like I said, if fucking we get either Granky or Price, ooh, the Cubs, Cubs are gonna be in good shape. Yeah. You get one more pitcher, ooh. Yeah. I don't know who's gonna who's gonna come close. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, if the Cubs would have won the World Series this year, the world would have probably exploded. Oh, it's well, such a weird thing. Even even the Cubs making the playoffs this year is strange. They weren't even supposed to. That's why I'm not mad because it's like, oh, they were not yeah. even supposed to like come clear, well, come I close mean, to our expectations of where they are. That's the thing because we know how hard it is to make the playoffs in baseball. There's such limited teams that make it. Yeah. And, you know, for the prediction and, you know, Back to the Future Part 2, predicting the Cubs win the World Series in 2015, even the making the playoffs is strange and very cool. It yeah. was it was big news. It was interesting, and it was it was fun to you know to watch and stuff. So but. this is like their first year, like all rookies, four rookies, and mm-hmm. the fucking rookies are killing it. It's like oh, I'm just excited. An, this team, I'm really excited. Just another reason that Back to the Future Two is fucking awesome. It's the best film in the franchise, in my opinion. Yeah, I watched the I, I watched it yesterday. I watched it yesterday on Back to the Future Day, and it was fucking weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I truly love those films. Yeah. I just like the jokes how people are saying, you know, like there's here's a caption of Michael and Doc Brown or uh, with Marty and Doc Brown it's like this is the look that that you that you get when uh, you realize that on Thursday this is a movie about the past. <laughs> what the I fuck? love I love like <laughs> That's a fucking good caption, man. I was like, "Oh, that's so funny." During one of the scenes where fucking Marty and um Marty and Doc and uh fucking what's his girlfriend's name? Jennifer. Jennifer are in the alley and Jennifer's asleep. There's like laser discs in the background next to yeah, the dumpster. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. You know what's funny? I was watching it with my boy and he, he looks over and he goes, he goes, he goes, what are those, what are those stacked up in the alley? And I was like, those are laser discs. Yep. <laughs> so trippy. It's fucking awesome. I yeah. didn't notice that until like recently when somebody posts on one of the pages. I was like, that's fucking awesome. That's honestly, the brilliance of those movies, though, like, I mean, it's, to this it's day, pretty, to this day, you yeah. still notice new shit. It's fucking exactly, amazing. man. It's just so cool how they do it. Like, they always put there, there's so many different things that are placed in those movies that are just there's never a focus on them. But if you look around in the film, you'll you'll notice certain things. That's why mm-hmm. it's the coolest trilogy, man. It's so fucking well written. But mm-hmm. but yeah, well, that was probably the longest non horror conversation we've ever had on the show. <laughs> nah. <laughs> that was interesting. JP's still a fucker for not knowing who Harry Carey is. So, so what yeah. has been going on the last three weeks? I know we've had our ups and downs, internet problems. I know JP's been having a rough go. Jeremy, you're all busy, 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 and, busy. Yeah, man, it's just been. I, you know, is you know, of course, my life is just completely flipped upside down right now. I'm busy as hell, but. Uh, yeah, man. It's I, a I good busy though, Moods. Yeah, I know, but I haven't really been doing, you know, much in other stuff, just that's doing life. the kid thing. Yeah, that's what life is, man. So it's just, you know, it's been exciting in that way, but yeah, tiring yeah. shit, man. Tiring as shit. I will say that this job is way harder than going to work every day. Hands down. Imagine how all those single mothers out there feel. Yeah. It, it's it's like a different type of tiredness. It's like mentally exhausting, you know? <laughs> it's not physically, it's just mentally. I'm just like, oh my god. Well, at least he goes to school on Monday. <laughs> yeah, but then he still got the whole afternoon to deal with, and fucking you know, send him with some snack packs, and he'll be the coolest kid in town if Canada has snack yeah. packs. And, and if yep. all fell, all yep. else fell, packs. just tell him pee his pants. And Donkey Kong rules. Yeah, <laughs> fucking <laughs> combat. Yeah, but um, you know, on a on another note, bringing it back to horror, I gotta say, guys, I'm 
continuing along with this uh, 31 Days of Horror that I'm doing. I know you are doing it as well, Moods, but uh, I'm doing something interesting with the Universal Monsters films, and this is all first-time watches for me for the most part. I've seen uh, two or three of them. And I got to say, man, I'm starting to get a little bit of fatigue, man. I had to spice it up tonight and watch something a little bit different. I watched a film that I'll talk about later, but uh, I don't know if it's just the low level of violence that are in these older films, but oh, wow. I'm getting a little burnt out on them. And, yeah. and you know, I do like them. I, I'm ha- I love some of them are so fun Man, having violence withdrawals. That's crazy. <laughs> Gore and blood withdrawals. Cause you know, there isn't really a lot of that in these universal films. So that's, that's an interesting, uh, no, yeah. not JP. I have to say, I'm going to yeah, mark yeah. that down. It, well, <laughs> it, the, I think that these films are definitely not made to watch marathon style because, Essentially, you know, especially the mummy films, they're the same thing over and over again. Like people say like Friday the 13th is the same exact story over and over again. Yeah, it is. But the mummy is like the fucking same. It's mm-hmm. the same thing over and over again. I think that's what's separate, you know, like the mummy, you know, the mummy franchise. Yeah. And then you look at the Frankenstein one. It, there's actually quite a bit of different stories going on there. Certain things that are happening, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. So, but I mean, it usually cool. it still is very similar, though. And one, one yeah. thing that I'll say about these Universal films is I do like that they're so goddamn short that you really could watch a bunch of them in a row. But they all end. They have, like, the pacing was so different back then. Like, the climax and the ending just wraps up, like, immediately. Like, there's five minutes left. And I'm like, how the hell are they going to wrap up this whole movie? But I don't really think it's about, like, the money. I just think it was – the pacing was different. Like, like, you have these long buildups and then just just like that, it's over. Like, they wrap it up in – sometimes literally five minutes and it, you yeah, know yeah. you feel like you're in the th- beginning of the third act mm-hmm. in most cases but then you look at the time and you're like how the fuck are they going to end this movie in five minutes four minutes four minutes and 30 seconds like what are they how are they going to end it and then usually know, right? like the castle falls over or something and <laughs> it's just like the frankenstein and, and that's a, that's the thing about those universal films too is like when it ends it ends it goes back yeah. to the menu there's like no credits or nothing yeah <laughs> They end very abruptly, very yeah. abruptly. And you well, know, so I, I will say the last two that I watched, which was uh, House of Frankenstein and one of the Mummy films, they all sound the same: Mummy's Curse, Mummy's Tomb, Mummy's Hand. Uh, they both ended very well. I think they have two of the better endings in the in the whole series that I've watched. I, I got about ten or eight left. I got eight films left. I love fucking Bela Lugosi in those Frankenstein movies. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh dude, and, Son of Frankenstein is really good. My favorite yeah. so far is The Invisible Man. I think that's hands down the best film in there. Uh, I mean, I gave it a 9.5 out of 10. It is so good, but I really like Son of Frankenstein too. Yeah. Yeah, Son of Frankenstein is a good one. Really good film. I mean, at least you're doing something interesting with the 31 Days of Horror. I mean, I mean, realistically what I'm doing is I just renamed my random horror reviews 31 Days of Horror. <laughs> <laughs> there's no theme there's nothing basically all i do did it was every day though now the, the the first 16 days i just i did all newer films like all brand new horror like relatively new horror films and then from the second half i was just doing old films i'm you know going right back to like the 40s and 50s and stuff so i guess a way to unload some of those press copies though huh oh yeah yeah i mean you know i had to watch them anyways and it was interesting because i, I, I kind of wanted to watch films 
uh, for this 31 days that I'd never seen before. I didn't want to really review things I'd done before or seen before and stuff because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, I'm probably not the only person. I know you guys, too, have huge unwatched piles of films. Yeah, yeah. So this is a great way to knock off Everything. 31. So, Jeremy's yeah. unwatched pile rivals that of the entire world's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? When you buy movies for a dollar, it's kind of hard. Yeah. It's like, it's only a dollar. I fucking waste more gas driving back. <laughs> but, Moods, at least you're killing two birds with one stone, though, because a lot of those films, yes, they are newer. But what do we do every year around January? Year-end show. Yep, year-end year show. End Top show. 10 of 2000, whatever the year is. So you, you're actually doing what I actually should be doing right now. And that's mm-hmm. watching films for that show because it's, you know, once again, quickly approaching. And I only have about 25 films that I've seen this year. I, I really hope that, you know, you know, Canada doesn't screw me again. And I get to see some of the films that, you know, some of the bigger notable films, you know, before the end of the year. Because like last year, I never got to see a few like the Babadook and, you know, films like that that, you know, were out last year with big releases and stuff like A Girl Walks Home and alone at night like I, I know you guys all vod that and stuff i never got a chance to see those same with starry eyes you know i never got a chance to see these Fuck films until this year so they're all like 2015 films to me because they had media releases in 2015 and i i hope that doesn't happen to me again with some of these really highly notable because i i it sucks because now those type of films are kind of in limbo is what i call it yeah and what limbo is is that I made my top 10 list from 2014, 2015 comes around, and they're not really eligible for this list. Therefore, they never made it onto a top 10 list, which they probably would have. Yeah, you know? that's, and that, and that's the same kind of goes the for the battery, eight, though, right? The battery yes. was in limbo for us, and it exactly. sucked because that would have been my number one last year. Exactly. Great example. The battery happened to both of us, and I just don't want that to happen again You know, with like – say the green inferno or I don't know, man. Like I just, I never had a chance to see it because where I live, I never, it never got in the theaters around where I am. So I haven't seen it yet. And I don't know if it's going to come up for the year if I'll even have a chance to see it. So, uh, I, I mean, I'm not saying that movie's going to make in my top 10 or not. I, I don't know, but, um, yeah. I just don't want this to happen again. There's too many notable films from last year. So I'm really trying to knock off everything, uh, right now, but I do have one front runner right now. And I got a few others that are, you know, probably going to make in the top ten. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's still lots of films to see. So mine's wide open. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> I've I actually wish that I, came up, out this year, but it doesn't. I'm actually up to well, I have a list of 86 here, but I think I've watched 84 of them now. So I've watched about 84 2015 releases. So it's not bad. Jeremy, not how bad. many do you think you watched? Mm, probably as much as you. 25 or so. Yeah. And some of those, some of the good ones aren't considered horror, but yeah, like the treatment. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll uh, yeah, that, that's a tough to one. Talk through some of those. But well, man, I I tell you, man, this year has been interesting because I know for you guys, as far as I know, you don't have like a bona fide, you know, number one front runner right now, oh. and uh, you know, there's been a lot of pretty good films you know nothing overly too outstanding except for one for me but i've watched a lot of shitty films this year man i have to say like like ones that i just would not recommend i mean probably one of the worst films i've watched recently is gravy that movie's fucking terrible it's Um, so funny because i've seen so many mixed reviews on that i just seen another person give it a uh, 7.5 today oh my god it is so bad it's fucking you know okay just put it this way I mean, I'm one of those people that when I find something funny or mildly funny, I laugh out loud. I don't care. I just show my emotion. I don't give a fuck. I laugh at everything. Um, 
this movie right here, I didn't even smile once. And it's supposed to be a fucking comedy. I'm like, this is fucking retarded. You know? Yeah. I, I'm sorry for using the R word. But this is, like, I mean, honestly, if you're making a horror comedy, is it not supposed to be funny? Well, I don't know, <laughs> man, because it's, I it's say the same thing about it's stuff like Mutantis. Like, it, oh, like are you bringing back up Mutantis, man? Well, the difference between Mutantis and Gravy is that Mutantis is intended to be, like, stupid and, you know, ridiculous and stuff. Gravy actually has decent production value and it has good actors in it. And, it, you know, it, it's it's a decent film. You know, I'll give it Mutantis that. Again. But it's not funny. That's the fucking problem. Well, will, will I like Just, it? it? It's a total miss. I think you'll hate it. I think yeah. you'll hate it. Even Dylan, he's very similar to me. Um, he, he's the one who dropped the movie off in my house to watch it actually, because I hadn't received my coffee yet. And he's like, you got to review this shit. <laughs> so I watched, he's like, it sucks, doesn't it? I'm like, fuck yeah. So, and we're very similar. Like we have a good time. We laugh all the time. And he's like this, I didn't laugh at all. I'm like, really crazy. I have to see this. So yeah, I don't know, man. I, it seems like the word on the street is for 2015. It seems to be, this is the Turbo year. Kid. I really want to see Turbo Kid. Man, I saw the trailer accidentally for that, and I was like, holy shit, that looks good. Um, but, uh, no, it seems like this year seems to be, like, the resurgence of, like, the horror comedy. Mm-hmm. You guys have any thoughts on that? Because I keep seeing, you know, like, Brandon from the Facebook page, and other people are just being like, yeah, this is, like, the year of the horror comedy. It seems like it's 1987 again. I don't know, fucking you know, Bloody Knuckles, man, that movie is... There's just so many, it seems like so many notable horror comedies out there this year. It seems like every second film that's getting highly rated and good ratings and stuff is, like, a horror comedy, and I'm like, you know, I don't mind a horror comedy once in a while. I like my stupid films, but to be honest, when every fucking week, the best film of the week is a horror comedy... I'm just asking myself, where the hell's the horror? Uh-huh. You know, and, and I was pleasantly surprised with We Are Still Here, like, cause I'd watched yeah. a bunch of shit films and I watched a horror comedy and I was like, oh my God, where the fuck is the horror? And then I watched this love letter to Lucio Fulci and I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun, good yeah. film. Like, it was just enjoyable to watch and I was just like, finally, you know, it's there's grown, a good that film. movie's grown on me a little bit. Yeah, man. I thought it was really, really good. And not to take anything away from the horror comedies that have been coming out this year, like, don't, you know, take this the wrong way or anything, but I just enough is enough. <laughs> I'm getting kind of burnt out. Just watch I mean, Bloody Knuckles over. The year's not even over. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if you're saying it's that good, I mean, it's it's, it's next fun. on deck here for me. But I mean, give me some well, damn horror. Let, let me tell you something, Moods. I'm looking at my obviously unshaped top ten, meaning it's it got a long way to go still. And right now, just based on ratings alone, five out of the ten are debatable horror comedies. Really, and that See, upsets me very bad. That that's really upsets me. Yeah, that's incredible for you, man. Uh, that really is. Well, it, it's it's purely looking at the list. It's mainly because of the fact that it is mainly horror comedies in this list that, of the films that I've seen. So therefore, by default, the ones that are rated the highest are probably going to be also a fair share of horror comedies. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I did see one really good one this year, and I will recommend it to everybody. It's Suburban Gothic. It's really well written, and you know, I, I've, rec- I've, rep- I've recommended this film to so many people, and everyone's come back saying the same thing. It's just like it's comedic timing at its best. It's it's got really good, it's got a good script, but the timing and the acting and the stuff is just perfect. You know, it's one of those type of films, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's really good. I recommend Suburban Gothic. So for horror comedies, but. On a side note, relating to the horror, Return of the Slasher films this year, yes, yes, a lot of good slasher films this year. I have to say, Girl House, Charlie's Farm, Headless, 
you know, some really good ones. Lost After Dark was really good. So, yeah, you know, I'm always looking out for those fucking those uh, slasher cubs, films. What's that? That cub, cub. though. Yeah. <laughs> it's alright. I mean, it's not terrible. It, you know, it's not fucking Paranormal Island or anything, but uh, <laughs> the solid 1.5 out of 10. All right. So, yeah. Alrighty. Well, I don't know if you guys have any more. That's about a half hour intro. I say we go to news. <laughs> yeah, man. I say we get into the news too. Do we got a bunch this week? Uh, yeah, but you know, bunch is in a couple weeks worth. Did I cut down to less than that? So I mean, <laughs> yeah. so the first thing, let's get them both out of the way. One with uh, you know, just when one swoop. Friday the thirteenth was slated for 2016 it has now been pushed back to 2017 Boo. yeah apparently terrible news paramount is gonna go into a different direction they had the hannibal writer uh who was you know gonna write and david bruckner was gonna direct and i guess what they're saying is they're they're just looking for something else and they're gonna go into a different direction in terms of writers so yeah, that pushes it back. So apparently they didn't like the script. At least that's what it sounds like. I'm starting to think that they're overthinking this. They are. And I, think I was going to say that. Go, they need to go back to the basics here and go, hey, guys. It's Jason. And, and, and then they're going to answer and then they're going to be like, yes, um, it's a Friday the 13th film. They write these movies in 12 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> what is taking? This is taking like years to – like, come on, man. This is fucking stupid. What 2017. Like, this yeah, is I'm ridiculous. Fuck, man. That's crazy. Honestly, guys, I'm done reporting on it until we have, like, concrete yeah. fucking photos from the yeah. set or something because it honestly pissed me off because you guys know me, man. I fucking love that franchise. I don't even know if I'm going to be alive in 2017. At least well, in 2016, I was like, I think I can make it. But 2017, you know, that's so fucking far away. Who knows if I'm going to be alive? They're not even beating around with this either. They're just like, no, it definitely isn't coming out in 2016. We're going to say 17. But it's January, so we have hope. It's almost 16. Holy shit. Like, that is – that's pretty that's fucked, fucked, I have to up. say, man. Yeah, and and to make matters worse, in the same week, we have Malika Cod, who is one of the producers of the Halloween franchise, in an interview with DailyDead.com, said that uh, the uh, Marcus Dunson and Patrick Melton – team that was uh going to be doing the thing uh apparently the direction that the studio wanted to go is different from the direction that that trio wanted to go and now they're just pumping the brakes and they're figuring out i believe he said this beast and yeah so that is now on hold for a little bit again while they're doing some different script stuff so i guess that original synopsis they came out with probably isn't what's going to happen now and they're completely reworking the whole thing so what the fuck dude halloween i guess you need to think about that one a little bit more but i swear to god man like i feel like they're just their heads are in the wrong direction they're trying to reinvent the wheel here and it doesn't need reinvented yeah i agree and i made a joke the other day i said you know Sam Raimi's going to put out a new Evil Dead sequel before any of these see the light of day. So that that's how bad this is going. Because <laughs> we know that's not going to happen. Yeah, I believe Rich Style from The Devil's Eyes actually, when these both of these films were both announced, he was like, I bet we don't. Because I believe they were announced for 15 originally. And he's like, I bet we don't see these until late 2016 or further or something like that. So, I mean, he called it. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. By this point, we'll fucking see two more chainsaws and a Hellraiser by the time those two fucking films come two out. Two more chainsaws, really? <laughs> well, we... <laughs> let, <laughs> let's just look at it right now, all right? So, Friday the 13th Part 2 to the original remake. We'll see another Chucky sequel. We'll see a couple more Saw films. Yeah, I hope we see another Saw film. That'd be fucking awesome. I mean, we've already seen this. This next chainsaw will be the second one since a since a Friday the Thirteenth, I believe. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the I'm I'm at least we have chainsaw to look forward to because that I'm I'm interested in that. But anyway, moving on, South of Hell. This is a scripted series that is going to premiere November twenty seventh. And what is very interesting about this. I thought that the model that they're using is worth discussion, and it is going to air on WeTV, which I'm not really sure what that is, but I think I've heard of it. All episodes of the series are going to premiere back-to-back, and that's seven hours worth of TV, and it's all going to premiere on one day and then later be available on VOD, download, on TV platforms. I binge-watch it. Really, like, well, I mean, technically, that is kind yeah. of binge watching. Well, they're, they're, they're taking binge watching to like the extreme, where it's like they, they're they're rolling with the idea of the phenomena that is binge watching. Well, that's the thing. I think they're starting to get they're catching the word that you know people wait until these seasons come out on DVD or whatever Blu-ray. They buy them and they binge watch them. So this is like setting the bar to a different level. This is awesome. This is good shit. Yeah. Why yeah. didn't anyone else think of this before? <laughs> Honestly, this seems like such a simple premise. That has never been done, and then you're like, dude, like well, like, my, my socks literally up. blew off my feet when you said that. I was like, holy fuck. Netflix like, kind of did it, right? Yeah. That when they do their series, they release all the episodes at once. But that's more of an on-demand thing, right? It's not a streaming, like a, that's, a TV. Yeah, that's a little different. But, but you know, I guess I've never actually watched one of those Netflix originals or whatever before. Like, none of them, actually. But, but still, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Yeah, like uh, so... Something also interesting about this TV series is that it uh, is Eli Roth produced, and I believe he's directing the pilot, as well as Ty West is directing an episode, of course, from House of the Devil in the Sacrament. And the girl. And a Western who, with John Travolta. And the girl who did <laughs> Tank Girl is uh, also directing an episode, and Jennifer Lynch. I love Tank Girl. That movie's so weird. So that's, I mean, that's something, right? That's that's an interesting I- experimental idea. I'd be con- yeah. interested to see how it plays out. And if it goes over well, it's something that we could definitely probably see in the future with other networks maybe attempting that, trying that. The only thing that I, I think the problem is, is you don't have that, that advertisement boom where, you know, Mondays at 9, you're going to get those big numbers. You know, it's just going to be a one-shot thing. I wouldn't have big numbers on Wii TV anyway, so. <laughs> just like what you have a little Wii, so just like the viewership, it's going to be like you. Oh, oh dude. It, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. I made a joke earlier that Jeremy is like the worst at like making fun of, cracking jokes, like poking fun well, at Yeah, because you know I'm totally the, the one worst. who comes up with all the great jokes that have been on the show. By, you fall into them, dude. You fall into them. <laughs> yeah, it's not my fault the shankle ankle exists. Uh, but after that, we have Bam. something. This is another one of those 
fucking thing. Well, this one actually kind of pisses me off, but it, it's another thing that I simply grabbed because of this interesting model around it. So the Saw box set thing came out a while ago, that Blu-ray set, you know, it, the, the cheap little set that came out with all the Saw films. Well, It's very reminiscent of the Nightmare on Elm Street one without a slipcover. Yeah. No, it has a slipcover. The Saw one does? Yeah. Really? I've seen it with a slipcover, yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't even know it had one. Fuck. I don't have one. Okay, so... Well, I guess, I guess I'm just going to throw mine out then. It's fucking it's useless now. Oh, I guess somebody <laughs> stole them all at Walmart. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the good memories. <laughs> so the Saw doc, right? There's a Saw documentary. But it did not come on that disc, on that box set... It's not going to come on a future box set that is planned right now. The the Saw series is going to be released on iTunes via digital release as a unrated and complete Saw collection. And in that release includes a brand new three-part 77-minute retrospect called Game Changer The Legacy of Saw. A three-part 77-minute? Oh, yeah, because uh, this documentary sounds really good. It can't hold your attention for more than fucking 24 minutes at a time. <laughs> what? I, I mean, it could fuck? be weird wording. I'm not really sure, but... <clears throat> I'm I, sorry, but... Okay, I see where you're getting at with this, and in, like, digital-only release. You know what? Go fuck yourself with that. <laughs> well, no, that's what I'm that's saying. I think, I think what we're saying, what I'm trying to say is, like... It, apparently, it's not just like some little bonus thing on there, right? It, it's like a legit like look at the Saw films with you know James Wan and Eli Roth and and Tobin Bell and all the people talking about the films. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a legit you know like documentary, yeah. And no, 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 totally, totally. But I understand that. But I mean, I, I want, I would like to see the physical of this. Well, that's why I specifically brought it up because I know. It, this is you, a very sad moment. This is a very sad moment that they're releasing, re-releasing this box set digitally, which is fine because it's already on physical media. But the only way to get this documentary, this three-part, seventy-seven minute, whew, that wore me up <laughs> even saying that right there, um, documentary is digitally only on iTunes. Man, dude, that is fucking so weak, man. That's so weak. Yeah, but it's weak to from our perspective right for the like, collectors man like, yeah, so let's just, let's try to be let's try to remove us from talk about the idea right is this something that's gonna is this is this another scary. nudge in that direction it's of scary. this digital media taking over yeah i mean i mean honestly it do, doesn't it scare you a little bit though it's never gonna go away i mean obviously it's not gonna fully go away but i mean it just it might get harder and harder to get and things might even get more limited because they're not selling and I don't know, man. I think that's the case. I still see people in fucking family video like crazy, so I don't yeah. think that's going to be the case. Yeah, it, it's well, not going to disappear anytime t- soon. You're buying movies for pennies. Yeah, but I mean even renting. Rent yeah, I see them renting a lot of family video. It's crazy. Yeah, but that's fucked up. It's crazy. I, I, I will say that um, if you are going to make that push – to uh, make digital because right now I, I think I think that digital is has its place, but it's mostly for people who are are, are not 
hardcore into movies or something and heard about the next human centipede yeah there is obviously really good points to having digital movies and stuff it's honestly when i'm traveling on when i'm on the road for work or whatever um you know even having like a netflix which is you know technically all digital and stuff uh-huh. you know having those things or those full moon streaming and stuff those are nice to have yeah. Because you're sitting in your hotel room, you just click on it, and you're like, okay, I'm going to watch fucking this. Or you, could be, it, or you could be Jeremy with the stomach flu sick in bed and have nothing to do but watch Netflix. Exactly. Yeah, See, it, I watch Netflix at work sometimes. Exactly, yeah. Like, I, I can throw Netflix and watch a couple episodes of Gotham at work on my phone. I can't bring in a DVD player and hook it up to a TV or even a portable one because it's too conspicuous, so... Well, yeah, because... You're at work. You're not yeah. supposed to watch. <laughs> yeah, but but you know what I was saying was if you are if the if the studios really wanted to eliminate the physical because the physical is you know more money than what it's worth. I mean, it's all profit with digital, right? There's very few like actual costs. It's different rights, though. There's digital. It is different rights. Right. It is different rights, rights but there's... that's only when licensing, right? But when you own the film, when you made, when you're Lionsgate and you made the film, and you own the film, the whole film, you produce the rights film, for everything, man. Then, then you own the digital rights already. It's only when you license there's physical and digital rights. But if if Fucking you are rights. the studio and you want to to start nudging and away from the 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 physical side of things, and you are more focused on digital, that is the incentive. That is how you do it. You make these li- limited things and you have to make them good first of all they can't be three part 77 minute retrospects you, you have to make them good like that wore you out saying that didn't it yeah <laughs> but, but 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 let me let me ask you this what if uh the green inferno came out right and it it, it got its dvd release and it got its blu-ray release but the unrated director's cut was digital only that would fuck fuck everybody that would fuck every collector. They would be so mad. It would be the bad thing to do, and I don't think someone like Eli Roth would do it. But you don't fuck with horror fans. That yeah. is how you eliminate DVD and Blu-ray slowly. That's how because you. Who buys them. them? Horror fans. Yeah. yeah. Who else buys DVDs and Blu-rays besides horror fans? Forty-year-old <laughs> uh, moms who want to see the new Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. So <laughs> if you fucking piss off the horror fans, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. But, they uh, it's the same thing with Blu-ray, though, right? Like Blu-ray, we've had this argument so many times. DVD is just as popular as Blu-ray, if not more popular. Yeah. But how you get rid of Blu-ray? How you get rid of DVD? Is you is you don't put anything on it. You it, bare bone DVD. You know, put all the special features on the Blu-ray. Put all the unrated versions. Put all the commentaries and director's cuts on Blu-ray. You only get the theatrical cut bare bones on DVD. That's how you eliminate DVD. Well, that ain't going to happen. Exactly. Yeah, it's not going to happen, man. DVDs managed to survive almost 20 years now. It's a pretty... Has it? <laughs> yeah, 1997. 97 yeah. is when it first premiered. And yeah, it's pushing 20 years. It's like one of the longest lasting, you know, medias out there. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. Fuck. That's one of the reasons Mosquito was so far out of print because it was one of the early fucking... DVD releases. I love that you wanted that movie so bad, and you look, waited for it forever, and then it's on Bull Moose for eleven dollars after it's getting a release. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me laugh so. Yeah, I knew that was it was happen. my number one, right? I've always had yeah. this hit list where I'm like, 
like what films do I want to see that are either out of print or have never been released on on Blu Blu-ray or DVD. I know yours was Ghost Town, Jeremy. Yeah. Mine was Mosquito, and I, I had a few happen, like Halloween Six and Body Bags. Like it, it is awesome that that list is slowly being knocked away. Of course, that list always gets replaced with more titles, but it, it's been a, a great few years for releases. I think. Mm-hmm. Fucking rights, man. So many, so much good stuff coming out that hadn't had releases before, or re-releases. Big ups to these companies like Synapse and you know all these guys just put in the work, man. Yeah. yeah. Now they just got to release all the other shit that they've announced. Fuckers. I noticed that people are getting impatient right now with Snaps films because you know, I mean, it, it's kind of a bittersweet thing. You know, it's like you're waiting forever for these, you know, Argento films to come to Blu-ray, but you don't want to rush them because you don't want shit. You know releases, and they put 110% into all the releases, and I respect that. But they are taking a long time, and I've noticed that people are going out and buying the Arrow releases right now because they're so fed up, and they just yeah. want to watch Phenomena and and you know and Tenenbrae and stuff like that, and they're even grabbing that other Suspiria, like the Korean one, and on Blu-ray. And I've been noticing people grabbing these things, and I'm like, but, look, the funny thing is, there is no release dates for like those films or Popcorn or all these other ones that they've announced, and they've they've released, announced, and released like more Tursus or whatever the fuck I reviewed a couple weeks. Ago. They announced Mosquito and, like two, two, three months ago. Exactly, and so these ones are coming out real yeah, quick. Because the movies people, people want, fancy. though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. let me ask you this, Moods. Do you think that yeah. they might uh, plan to release those Argentos in a box set, and they're just wanting to get them all done first? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, you know, honestly, Synapse isn't really known for putting out box sets. They had a couple like Asian box set DVD box sets and stuff, but they don't really do that. You know, so it's an interesting thought, but. The way I see it, I doubt it. I doubt it because I think that you know, if they were planning on releasing them in a box set, you know, if they uh, have two sets. of them, if they have two of them eventually done, and the other one's taking forever, it's just going to prolong it even longer. So I think they really need to start putting out them solo soon because yeah. I think people are getting impatient. Like, I mean, like I said, I noticed people picking up the arrows and stuff, and you know, there is other alternatives, right? So mm-hmm. kind of the downfall, but. And I'm one, and I'm also one of them too. I'm like, I've been kind of looking at those, and you can get those Arrow Blu-rays for super cheap, man. And I'm like, oh, fuck, <laughs> you know. But I, you know, I love Snaps Films. I'm gonna wait for them. So it is what it is. Speaking of releases, uh, let's move on to some of those, and we'll go through these ones relatively quickly. The X Files complete series hitting DVD or Blu-ray. Excuse me. No DVD around here. They're already on DVD. They're hitting Blu-ray December 8th. Stop fucking up, JP. It's all that DVD talk, man. You know, almost 20 years going strong, man. There's DVDs going fucking nowhere. Fucking asshole. <laughs> yes. It's so... the first fucking asshole tonight. Plenty more where that comes from. <laughs> ah, good times. I may fuck up, but I think I saved myself pretty nicely. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, but uh, yeah, who Harry is... Carey was, maybe he wouldn't fuck up so much. Well, he, he would probably <laughs> be able to teach me a thing or two. Ooh. Uh-huh. So, uh, season one through nine, Blu-ray. That's it's in a night like the set looks awesome. If like if I was an X Files fan, I would really really think about grabbing that. It, like it looks nice, but it, of course it's gonna be like a million dollars because anytime you have an entire series hitting Blu-ray, it's always so expensive when it first comes oh, yeah. out. Oh, yeah. But it looks cool. I still uh, want to get that Soprano set, man. It's still a lot of money, though. 
Yeah, of, co- of course it's probably coinciding with the new season. I don't know when that airs, but it's probably around the time that this set comes out. Mm-hmm. So after that, we have something everybody's been waiting for. Full Moon is finally taking orders for Puppet Master 4 hitting Blu-ray October 12th. Wow, yeah. That, that already happened. <laughs> so so if you pre-ordered your copy of uh, Puppet Master, you should get it uh, next month. Or according to Charlie Ban, okay. they send it by Carrier Pigeon, so it should be there by February like of 2017. Yeah, that was the joke, Jeremy. I said it was two weeks ago. And I don't fucking get I, this, man. Never mind. So why uh, is why is Charlie Ban why is Charlie Ban releasing Puppet Master Four? What do you mean your joke's better? You just stole my joke and extended the length. Like, well, I, I guess people will be seeing Puppet Master Four before Friday the Thirteenth. So Puppet Master Four? <laughs> what the fuck, man? Okay, seriously. <laughs> Moons is just confused that it's. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm fucking I'm fed up with Full Moon, man. They fucking piss me off. Okay, get this. There so at least Puppet when, Master when, One when they two put and out, three, though. Yeah, when they put out the Puppet Master box, and they look fucking awesome. One, two, three. It fucking says volume one. So now they're releasing part four, just soul, and then he's going to release five two years down the road and then six, and then put out the box set and then call it volume two. Uh, is that probably, what he's going to do? Pro- he's just trying to do. prolong the inevitable. Because fucking this, Charlie Band, though. Through Charlie Band right now, motherfucker. Seriously. Motherfucker. <laughs> Listen, dude. This is fucking ridiculous. Four and five. Oh, oh, I don't five know. Just get them out. I don't know what people like about four and five. I really don't. People people are high on those two sequels, and I don't like them. I think they are. I don't like the idea of the puppets being like the good guys. It actually quite annoys me. And yeah, that always confuses me. I'm not a fan of them. Too. Not a fan. Yeah. I'm watching yeah. a long time, man. If retrospect, show. retrospect. Anytime, we, anytime we mention a franchise, like yeah, I haven't watched this in a while. It's like retrospect. Time to do them. <laughs> Well, I gotta do witchcraft first. Okay. No, no, Fuck, witchcraft is like impossible to do, man. I think, I think honestly, man, we should it's do gonna the hell. Happen. Listen, our we should final do the three episodes ever are gonna be witchcraft trilogy or three three parter because <laughs> there's no way we're doing it all in one episode. Oh my god! By the time we get to the witchcraft, there's gonna be 49 movies. Yeah, <laughs> because David Sterling puts out he he films three movies in one day. Yeah, Fucking pretty crazy. much. What do you feel? He filmed three in one week, didn't he? Not two weeks. It was yeah. two. Oh my god, my bad. Fuck. This guy's a, this guy's a master. He's a pro. Well, it's star. like double the time. could do anything. Kind of a big deal. That's fucking incredible, man. Like three movies in two weeks is you just really... get cool. Duder and what movie one? You say make a witchcraft movie. Now, Boom, when you gosh. say movies, you are using quotation like finger yeah. quotations, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. To be honest, I think it would be really funny. The conversation would be funny because we know like a lot of the later sequels of witchcraft films are like borderline porno. Yeah. And uh, these ones are probably obviously not considering he was in the films. So uh, I they probably not. are because every <laughs> set photo is like super hot girls. <laughs> well, I, I mean, those two did lose a lot of weight, man. Maybe they're getting the punani now. I don't know what that fucking. Oh, no, Jerry, they're, they're Jerry not. Curls. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. not the ones. Look at fucking Cool Duder's hair, man. It's fucking, he looks like a freaking, I don't even know. I don't want to <laughs> offend anybody who likes him, so I'm just going to shut up. Uh, but I am known to best when you're no, offending. But getting back to franchises, Howling. I yeah, think it's like honestly, a fucking garbage pal. Yeah, ha- Howling will probably be one of our next ones. Because I've been dying to rewatch some of those the, the later sequels and stuff. So, oh, yeah. Howling 2. How the fuck do you review that? Yeah. Howling 2 is such, oh my god, the end of that movie is so funny. <laughs> I know. But you, you know, know one good thing about the Howling, Howling 2? 2? It has a great soundtrack. The yeah. soundtrack's fucking awesome. Because it's original. 
yeah, it's all fucking like good eighties synth, and it's fucking good, man. It kind of keeps you interested when you watch the film. So, and it doesn't help that Sybil Danny's tits are fucking amazing at the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen The Howling 2, but do you know who put out The Howling 2 on Blu-ray? Scream Factory. Scream yes, Factory. and you know what else Scream Factory is putting out? Cherry Falls from the year 2000. It's a slasher flick. Ooh, good transition. They announced, they announced Cherry Falls, but Proud they, of you. they did go on to say that Cherry Falls is a film that people have been asking for for a while, and they obviously know that people are going to ask them, will it be uncut? They are fully aware, aware that the film suffered trims from the MPAA prior to its release. Boo. So when they acquired the film, we they hoped to find the additional footage and include it, either in deleted scenes or reinstated into the film. Unfortunately, our licensor, Universal, only has the theatrical R-rated version in their vault. They reached out to the director, and he said that he was never able to make his own cut of the film and... Yeah, so they're hoping that the footage might be out there, but as of right now, it will be the theatrical cut. Mm. Yeah, you know what got cut? No. Brittany Murphy's boobs. Nuh-uh. Yeah, I was totally joking. Yeah, but... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't think that she showed her boobs, but... Nah, man, that 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 sucks, man. When shit like that happens, yeah. I know. I know you know they fought... they try. Like, if they try, it's excusable. You know what I mean? Yeah. But... Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. And, and you know, the thing is, man, it's actually a pretty good film. Mm-hmm. So I I'm saw actually... it when it came out, but I barely yeah. remember it. It was like that uh, post scream era, which that you know, the more there was a lot I of distance myself that from yeah. from that era, though, the more I'm kind of appreciating it. Especially moods. What we announced that we're doing uh, 2002. That's yeah. our uh, next top ten show, and you know, looking at some of those films, like I was really like, man, this this is going to be cool to go back and visit some of these, and even discover some of these uh, post scream films because two thousand two was still like post scream era. I think two thousand three is where we got into the hostels and saw era. Mm-hmm. French extreme era, you mean? You know, two thousand two is going to be. It's interesting, man. I've been kind of compiling a list of. Yeah, I started know, ordering films already. I got like yeah, the five. ones. I actually, They're I have super a, cheap, dude. Super cheap. Man, fucking lots of films. There's some bonafide top teners on there, though. I think that all three of us should have on our list. I mean, I don't know, but uh, I think it's going to be um, a fun some movie one. that has a number in its title. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a complete change from 1968. Like you know, considering the amount of films that we have to go through too. So yeah. that's kind of the cool thing about these top tens. You know, if you go into, you know, 1995, you know, it's it's a tough top ten year. Yeah. You know, I can't I can't wait for one of those random years to pop up. Like, in the 70s, I think it's going to be really cool. But this is an interesting one because there's an abundance of films. So many. So. Yeah. You, I mean, I mean, it's not like as many as today. <laughs> Jesus, man. Mo- Modes, there was a really good werewolf film that came in t- 2002. Do you know what that was? Dog Soldiers? Yeah, Dog Soldiers. Do you know who put out Dog Soldiers? God, I sound like a fucking idiot right now, I bet. Uh, Dog Soldiers, like originally? Uh, On Blu-ray recently. It got delayed a bunch of times. Scream Factory. Factory. Yeah, and you know what else Scream Factory is putting out? Sunny Boy. It's a 1989 horror film. Retro call. The cover looks all cool and stuff. It looks really out there. And... It has Brad Dourif in it, of course, from Child's Play, which is Jeremy's favorite film, and David Carradine. What? what? This, I mean, this looks like a weirdo film. It looks fun, man. Did you read mm. about this one? I actually did not. I did not. 
Yeah, well, it's posted on your own website, so maybe you should actually read stuff once in a while. No, I'd look, I'd look, I just did not read. I didn't know anything about it. No, so. it, it, it does sound pretty odd. It, they, they liken it to their oddball films like Ninja 3 and Gunwoman. Has it had a release before? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it had a release before. I'm, I'm sure it did, but it's, ve- it seems like very, uh, unknown, or yeah. at least unwatched. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in a remote desert town, a psychopathic petty crook and his transvestite girlfriend kidnap and raise an orphaned infant cage infant an orphaned infant cage it like an animal to, and talk, train to steal and kill on their command years later when the half wild sunny boy escapes and embarks on a bloody rampage the couple's monstrous attempt at child development both the local populace into vengeful Listen here, guy. Okay, you're not very good at it either. No, who wrote that synopsis? I was laughing at the fucking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, that... <laughs> I mean, you were fucking up. I was laughing at you fucking up the first time, but then they were like, when they're monstrous, whatever. I was like, who the fuck wrote this? It fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, it's a wickedly offbeat tale of family love gone berserk. Wow, yeah. you should hire a new writer. I mean, I heard like transvestite in there. It is wrote weird, like that. The like the way that they wrote like raise an orphaned infant, cage yeah. it like an animal. It just it comes off weird. But yeah, hmm. that, that's that's one from nineteen eighty nine. Eighty nine. You know what else? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was gonna say it only it only worked once in the first place, so. Oh fucking hey, Debbie just over hating here. on it. Hating uh, you know what? You do the rest of the news. I'm done. <laughs> How prepared are you for the news, Jeremy? Uh, exactly. So Scream Factory is I also, sent you shit all week, fucker. <laughs> Scream Factory is also releasing a double feature, The House Where Evil Dwells and Ghost Warrior. One is from nineteen eighty two, one is from nineteen eighty four. These ones look weirdo too. The House of Evil Dwell. That's a good film, man. I have the uh, the DVD of that. It's a pretty good film, man. I have to say. Yeah. But, and it's definitely one I never really even thought about. Screen Factory releasing on Blu-ray. Uh, it seems like the consensus seems like no one's even heard of or knows anything about this film. And I'm like, it, it's had a DVD release like a long time ago. Which so, one? Ghost? What, what? The House of Where Evil Dwells. Yeah. Yeah. What about Ghost Warrior? Ghost Warrior, I believe, does not have a release. Uh, I didn't really Ghost know anything. Ghost Warrior is a Charles Band production, so yeah. I'm, back. As far as as far as I know, I as far as I know, it doesn't have release. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, I've been known to be wrong once or twice in my life. So nah, never. But no, I honestly, I'd never even heard of the film. But just the name alone, wanted, I was I was curious. Ghost Warrior, really? Yeah. Sounds terrible. Sounds fucking terrible. Well, Charlie Band does like to use the word ghost. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ghost and doll slash. Puppet slash any little thing. Slash fuck JP. Any gimmicky word, you know? Well, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It happens. It's Charlie Van, man. Yep. Uh, After that, go, good. Yeah, I was going to say we could go off on a serious tangent again with Charlie Van yeah, talking about we'll, any of those. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they also announced an IFC Midnight. This one's going to street on January 12th, so 2016. This one, Jeremy has actually already seen it as Contracted Phase 2. Yeah, it sucks. I believe different director. Yeah. Different director in that one. 
It's not very good. It's interesting. It has continuity, but it sucks. Well, it's yeah. disappointing, man, because you said that the contracted two picks up right where the first yeah. one leaves off, yeah. right? Like, it is even it literally described is it like, as picking up immediately after immediately. the events of the first film. Is yeah. it like literally in the same location and everything? Yeah. Like same oh, scene. That's cool, man. That's that, that's. Really I love cool. when films do that. Yeah, me too, man. It's too bad. Then it sucks. Too bad. Hmm. And finally, I believe I believe we all saw this coming, but we got a little iffy on it after the first one went out of print, and that is the Vincent Price Collection Volume Three hitting Blu-ray in the first half of 2016. Yeah, I mean, it was inevitable, wasn't it? You know, inevitable. I mean, the guy made a million films, so yeah, it, it seems like they'd be able to get another couple. But th- that, but this but this is coming at perfect timing because. Um, I was on Amazon today, like I always am, buying movies because I don't need any more. You know, it's fucking <laughs> retarded. And um, you used that, the R word twice. I know I'm so bad. What is, what so is bad. this R word? I don't know. It's like saying the N word. No, it's not. It's not like it, saying the N word. I don't mean it derogatory. It's just it's just an adjective to describe how retarded I am. Now that is how you um, defend using the N word. Exactly. See, I'm smarter than I look. But. But no, anyway, so I was on Amazon and I was, you know, searching around and of course Kino uh, has another sale going on on Amazon.ca right now. Like everything went from – because up in Canada, all the Kino releases are usually like 30 bucks and they're never purchased by me because they're $30. And everything dropped down to like 11 or 12 bucks again and I seen the Oblong box on there and it's a Vincent Price film and I was like, well, I got to grab that because it's not on either one of the first two volumes of uh the Vincent Price box sets and it being an MGM release um I was like well you know it probably is eventually going to get a release lo and behold not even like an hour later JP says to me he's like yeah Vincent Price 3 collection was announced I'm like what the fuck I bet you a hundred bucks the Oblong box is in that fucking set it's not because <laughs> it's Kino, not? uh you gotta remember dude Kino is a US company releasing uh the mgm title so scream factory is therefore not going to be able to get it also are you but they can't have some type of co i mean yeah they can but i it no i just thought it was interesting timing that they just put this out and this gets announced and i like i understand like i mean there's tons and tons of vincent price movies that could be put Mm -hmm. on there and they're missing some really good ones on the from the first two volumes oblong box is a good film um, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting. So yeah, if it but, is on there, it, it is what it is. If I actually hope it isn't now because I do have that Blu-ray coming and Kino does really good work with their Blu-rays. Yeah, that, so. that oblong box is actually from 1969. I did research on that one. We originally was going to do 1969 next. Um, mm-hmm. but that, I love the cover art to that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool uh, film. So yeah, the films that are actually in the, th- the third volume are masters, master of the world. From 1961. Oh, really? Tower. Shit, I good. I didn't see any specs on this, so I just. Well, I didn't even fucking find it. I like went on the <laughs> Screen Factory page. I didn't even see it, and I was like, "What the? Fuck yeah, is the homies in the group page are slacking because normally yeah. I'll go to do an article on the site, a news article, and it'll be posted like four times in the group page, and I'll be like, "Well, what's the fuck what point?" That's what happens when we take three weeks off, man. Everyone's yeah. like, well, what the fuck? Dude? I don't want to post anything on there. But that, that is strange because Derek usually, you know, the second something's posted, it is on our group page within Zach minutes. is like, like that. Like sales. Too. Sales are like that too. Like I, I don't even search for sales anymore. I just wait for people to post them. Yeah. Uh, 24-hour flash sale. Bang. There's 200 bucks gone. Fuckers. So, I'm sorry know. that you has to post. 
<laughs> no, it's good though. I like it that people yeah. stamp on that. But I was really surprised on such a big, you know, Screen Factory announcement that no one fucking told me, man. Yeah, I did. I honestly I seen started. it today, and it was posted yesterday. I found that so odd. Yeah, it is strange. But uh, so the second film is Tower of London from 1962. Oh yeah. yeah. The third film is Diary of a Madman from 1963. And uh, the fourth film is Cry of the Banshee from 1970. And then there's a fifth film, An Evening with Edgar Allan Poe from 1970. Well, that's cool. They got an Evening with Edgar Allan Poe on there. That's cool. <laughs> um, well, that's good, man, because I don't have any of those movies. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> this is fucking perfect, man. And there's only five on this one? Yeah, there's only five. How many is it? There's only five on the first one, right? Yeah, six on the second one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. Uh, see, I, I I wish they could get some of that. Like, the, the Tingler would have been a cool one to see on there, but that's Sony, yeah. I believe. Yeah, that would have been. Actually, the Tingler is one of my favorite Vincent Price films. I've actually oh, never geez. seen it. It's got some fun, cheesy effects in it, but no, that's really cool, man. That's, that's good, man, that the Oblong box is not on there and all the other films I don't have, so sweet. And that's it, yep. man. That's all the news. But I'm I'm excited for that Vincent Price set. I have the first two. Luckily, I have the first one because uh, it is now out of print. And you know, speaking on that, okay, money. yeah, speaking about the first Vincent Price volume. Okay, I'm not going to go into it going out of print because you know we know these things happen. It's not a big deal. Um, but uh, what the fuck was with Scream Factory announcing that there was 25 returns? Now, who was returning their <laughs> box? Set? Okay, so. So it's you have to look at it this way. Yes, exactly, Jeremy. Okay, what happened? Sometimes when you, uh, you know, you sit, you ship out all these copies, right? And if they don't sell at stores, I bet you there's still under copies some circumstances. There's definitely still copies out there on shelves. Mm. Some stores are allowed to, you know, depending on the deal, ship them back. Most of the time, they're allowed. If they don't sell, they ship them back to the company. Now, if they ship them back. Maybe they're in another warehouse, or maybe they're in a, they they keep that stuff somewhere else, and maybe they there's you know eventually they find it, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's so not actually. And so, and so they and they just charge the actual retail price for it, like yeah. the eighty bucks or whatever for it, and they went out, they sold them one day. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it was a couple. Of, I don't even think it was very long at all. Yeah, well, I think the prices that were going for them on the third market, or like, what were they? I think they were pretty damn high there for a minute. Yeah, like I, I seen one on Bull Moose uh, just a couple weeks was, ago for a, an affordable price. I think I seen one on eBay for 120 or 130. Yeah. I'm sure Jeremy could you know cross reference that, but it was about 120 something. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> it's getting yeah. up there. So yeah, there, man, I love finding out of print stuff on Bull Moose. Yeah, what is like, man? I wish that I wish that site shipped to Canada, man. Because I keep hearing you guys talk about this and posting all these great deals, and it, it, it seems it, like the selection is pretty good too. Like it, they have the only good reason stuff. it's good is because people don't know about it. Uh, let's see, we have one forty nine. Oh, we one... just fucked it over because yeah. the show is so big and popular that the yeah. whole world just found out right now. Yeah, I, well, I know, and I, I was playing with fire before when I talked about it in videos and stuff, but you know, I, I found. Honestly, like three of my favorite finds in a while. Like I found uh, the Martin DVD for five six bucks. I found uh, Summer of Fear for five six bucks, and I found oh. a sealed copy of Amityville Six. Yeah, that's a for fucking like six find bucks. and a half. That's a good one, man. Man, I don't even have a copy of that film. That's a good find. <clears throat> so anyway, Vincent Price 
volume one, 149, 149, 159, 169, 169, 151, 160, 150. An average will do, dude. So an average 150. So I, I think maybe the one I saw for 120-something must have sold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Crazy, man. But then again, if it was the cheapest one on there and you really want it. I, know, I'll tell somebody right that. now how to get a cheap, cheap copy of Hell Knight. I don't know about cheap, but uh, there's a box set, the old Anchor Bay six-packs. Uh, is on yeah. almost right now for about $16 and it has uh, like Antichrist and a couple other films in it but one of the films in there is actually Hell Knight which is worth the purchase in itself because it goes for what 30 bucks still yeah roughly? probably probably yeah uh, so yeah so somebody wants and to I grab think, it and honestly I think the uh, I think the version that's in those uh, those six pack Anchor Bay releases is the original release of it too, because there's two different releases for the hell Knight DVD. One has hell Knight written in red, which is the original release. And there's a re-release that's written in white. And I believe that the original release is in those six packs, but don't quote me on it. Yeah, I think you're right because somebody this, bought this, it. Did they? Mm-hmm. But anyways, the point is that would, that's a steal of a deal because it's worth it just for that original pressing. Well, I mean, the other the re-release still isn't original. Like, you know, whatever. It's just release. It's it's the exact same thing, just with different writing on the cover. Yeah, the, yeah. The, those little six packs were cool, man. I, I liked them, but unfortunately, even when I started collecting, really, uh, three of the of the four were out of print: the zombie yeah. one, the killer animals one, and the uh, the the devil one was out of print and only the campy classics was left available which i did grab for about six bucks and i still own to this day i wish i was more of a free spirit free spirited buyer back in those days and didn't care about double dipping and just was a total idiot back in those because i used to (laughs) see those around and i remember seeing a couple of those and going well i don't want to buy this just for these movies because i already own one or two of these you know and what a fucking mistake that was, man, because I really want those. I don't have either one of those, any one of those four. Mm-hmm. And it's strange, too, because I have a lot of Anchor Bay, but that was the problem. I bought all the releases, or many of them, when they were, you know, really sold. And, you know, if I had seen them today, obviously, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I'm grabbing that shit, man. It's a fucking six-pack. But I don't know what I was thinking back in the day. I probably just maybe didn't have the money, you know, as much. Or, I don't know. But I regret it. I regret it. I'm stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It happens. Uh, don't you hate that though? Like thinking back, like I, you know, I, I actually don't even own the, uh, you know, the Hellraiser cube. And I remember seeing it in stores all the time and it was like 20 bucks mm-hmm. for that fucking thing. And I never bought it. I was like, I have all the Hellraiser. Films. I remember seeing it all the time too. You know, this is before even Blu-ray and stuff, right? I'm like, well, yeah. I don't fucking need this. You know, I already got the DVDs, whatever. And I passed it over just like you did. And now I really want it because it'd be a cool piece to have, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and now it's like, I, I don't know. I, I never look for it. I don't know what it goes for, but it's one of those things I wish I had just bought just for the sake of buying, you know, eh, mm-hmm. whatever, but it happens, I guess. So is that it for the releases? Are we still in the releases? Well, that's news. We haven't even got to the releases. You do the releases. No, I mean your announcements or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey guys, JP here, post-podcast, and I just needed to let you guys know a little something. So, my homie from way back, Stephen Ferrandino, was working in the Midnight Releasing offices, and he posted a contest in our Facebook group. Unfortunately, we had already recorded the podcast, so we couldn't let you guys know about it. But, 
through the technology of editing, I can go back, insert this clip where I explained to you guys that Midnight Releasing is having a contest. So, first thing you gotta do, head on over to their Facebook, like their page, then go under their pinned post, which is a Halloween costume contest. Then you post a picture of your scariest Halloween costume. Four of you will win some DVDs. There are four prize packs from the Honorable Mention Anthology Mini Pack all the way up to the first prize pack, which is a bunch of newly released midnight releasing films. And one of them, I believe, includes Blood Punch, which I was very high on. So I definitely recommend you guys head on over there check this contest out i know that there's some people out there who go all out on their halloween costumes so post it down below and i bet you have a good shot of winning so they will pick the four best and scariest potentially and awesomest what i don't know how they're actually going to judge it but just do it it would be very awesome of you to like their page as well that's it guys i'm out of here for now i gotta edit this goddamn beast of a podcast i'll let you get back to listening later all right so yes moving along into moods swings and the uh sorry oh drinking too much over here um dvd and blu-ray releases for no what is it oh yeah october 27 2015 holy shit man it is already the end of october yeah oh this month is going by fast, and I will say it is going by really fast because of the 31 days of horror. Do you find it, JP, or you know, or is it just kind of the same type of speed for you? Because I find this month has been ripping by by doing something every day. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. But first up for the releases for the 27th is uh, from Scream Factory, of course. Well, we have we talked about Scream Factory tonight. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Mm-hmm. I think so. Something about a movie that came out in 2002 called... <laughs> yeah. Called oh, Ginger okay. Snaps. Fuck you. You know, I remember when this first got announced, and I was like, Fuck are you bitch. fucking kidding me, Scream Factory? Really? You're going to put this out? And of course, it is Army of Darkness. And I say that because, you know, Army of Darkness has so many releases. I mean, Anchor Bay alone has like 97 releases or something of it. Um, this is a pretty interesting triple disc. I do like the cover art on it, the new sanctioned cover art. I think it's pretty cool. Um, what are your guys' so thoughts on like the Like triple disc Scream Factory. Yeah, triple disc. Yeah, that was kind of the cool thing. So, I yeah. like the new sanction art for it. I think it's pretty cool. That that you know that actually has some interesting uh, features on it. I think as well. Hmm. All right. So yes, yeah, Army Darkness. Uh, next up from Arrow Video is the Black Cats set, which is of course based on the Edgar Allan Poe uh, short story, of course. And we got uh, films by Sergio Martino and Lucio Fulci, of course, is my favorite director. Uh, Sergio Martino's done so many good films in a lot of different genres, too. Oddly enough, I have never seen this film that's in here because I know it had a, a DVD release back in the day by No Shame, and that label fell. The fuck, sh- No Shame. No Shame was a company. Yeah, I never that, even heard of that, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the early days of DVD, and all their DVDs go for fucking dumb money, like stupid, stupid money. Uh, the company got changed into, I think it was Maya Communications took over, and then Maya folded too, and that went into 1.7, I believe, or something. I'm sure Derek could figure that out, but I, there is something there, you know. Um, but anyways, those older releases, they released a lot of, uh, you know, Italian stuff, and uh, really good releases, but um, 
Yeah, they just went under. But what the hell is the name of the film? The uh, yeah, your vice is is a locked room, and only I have the key. That is the title is that. That is the longest title ever, and of course, the Black Cat by Lucio Fulci are in the set. And from what I've been seeing and what I've been hearing, this set is beautiful, huge booklet. Of course, it's got the typical Arrow Blu-ray releases, uh, reversible cover, but the box itself is like a brick. So very cool release. I like that they're actually individually cased as well. Yeah, yeah. Arrow really does it does a good job. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and that's the funny thing about Arrow Video is that they put this much effort into films that probably shouldn't get releases like this. Like I said, I haven't seen the Sergio Martino film before, but I've, I have two copies of Black Cat by Fulci. And, you know, it's not the greatest Fulci film, but, you know, still a very cool box set. Uh, next up from Artsploitation Films is their latest release, and that's Bloody Knuckles coming straight from Canada. And from it's what I've been hilarious. hearing, is fucking hilarious. So that's really cool. Funny as hell, I mean. That's good to hear, man. That's really good. Awesome Looking forward, forward to it. Too. Yeah? Yeah, it's really, really good. Awesome. Awesome. So Canada putting it down for art exploitation. Awesome Finally features got on that release, too. Nice, nice. They got commentary and stuff? Commentaries and that um, feature where he goes to uh, Diabolic DVD. It's like oh, the coolest yeah. feature I've seen in a long time. Yeah, that's super cool. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to this. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy that our exploitation finally released something from the foreign land of Canada. Yeah, it's fuck those cool. Canadians. <laughs> uh, next up from all of films, we've got uh, Breeders. And I believe this is another release that someone here has. Um, yeah, Breeders is Breeders. I don't know. It was a film I was not excited about when, when all of them released it? it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I have it. So... Um, I don't know. I, I I haven't watched it in years, but I don't know. I, I can't quite remember. I just remember it being like really cheesy. So I don't know. How's the transfer on it? it it's it's uh it's good. It's it's not amazing or anything, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up is one I've been hearing a lot of buzz about actually with uh, Jason Bateman and Rebecca Hall. The gift is yeah. the gift. Lot, well, I've been hearing a lot, a lot, of, lot of people reviews. Yeah, a lot of positive reviews about this one. Um. You know, it's definitely a film that if I didn't hear a lot of good buzz about it, I probably would never check out because I hate the title. It's just so generic and boring. I just it would just fly by me and never come back. See, I, I like titles like one. that, man. I, I really, don't, man. I, I really like titles that are just like one word titles. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not overly a huge fan to be honest, but the gift I, maybe it's just I don't like know. the hand. Like I like yeah. titles like that. See, I prefer like the <laughs> I like, you know, for referring to hands, it'd be like bloody knuckles. That's cool, man. Bloody knuckles. Um, next up here from, I believe Kino is releasing this one. Uh, yeah, it is Kino. And it is uh, Heart of Midnight. This is more of a thriller. Um, I've heard about this film before. I believe this is the first release it's ever got. It's more of a um, a thriller type film. Apparently, it's like Jennifer Jason Lee's best performance she's ever had. And, and a film that no one's seen. <laughs> Go figure, right? Um, so, yeah, I actually did order this. I've <laughs> been always curious about this film, so I had to check it out. Uh, and, of course, from Screen Factory, again, we've got uh, the complete sequence of the Human Centipede uh, trilogy. So the box set containing all three films. A lot of hate on that box set. I'm a fan of it. I like the idea. I don't really think it's a bad idea either because they not only released the box set on the same day they're releasing part three by itself also. 
Yeah, and what so, I think is cool about that box set is it actually has the colored version of Human Centipede 2. Hmm. That's fucking awesome. I did. I must have missed that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people were too busy hating on it to even read the special features. I wasn't busy hating on it at all. I just didn't even know that because, well, let's did face we have it. have a discussion I, about this a few weeks ago? Oh, we probably did. I just have a really bad memory. Yeah, so. <laughs> my memory shit these days. <laughs> but yeah, you know, honestly, my biggest problem, I actually, the Human Centipede uh, box isn't that overpriced considering you get three films and, what and is stuff. What is the but price? It is, I think here, oh, yeah, actually I'll click on it because most of our listeners are American. So, uh, 49.99 on dot com. Yeah, I'll so, wait till I can get it for about 35, 40. Yeah, I believe it's 50, or yeah, 49. I think it's 54 in Canada. So relatively, it's actually technically cheaper. Um, yeah, but whatever. Um, human, uh, human centipede three, of course, coming out from screen factory. By itself, so if you don't want to pick up the box set, if you already have the two original IFC Blu-ray releases, which are okay, and once I pick up the Human Centipede box set, I will get rid of my IFC releases because there's no point in keeping them, right? So, I mean, I guess the most people are saying, why wouldn't you just pick up the, the third one yeah. and put them together? And it's like, because I can't do that. My OCD would fucking kill me. <laughs> I, I could not handle that. I just, that would not work. So, yeah, box set for me. But for the people that don't give a shit and don't have um, OCD problems, it's by itself. Go grab it. Next up from uh, Criterion, the Criterion Collection. Not necessarily a horror film, but fucking bizarre because it comes from David Lynch. And that's Mahal- Drive. Mulholland Drive, which is a fucking bizarre, bizarre <laughs> film that I really, really enjoy, man. Even though half the time, if I blink, I lose what's going on <laughs> you know it's one Very of those types of strange films. strange movie it's such a strange film but it's one of those films that you can't stop looking at because it's so weird mm-hmm. like just the, the just the oh the presentation of the film and the way it's oh it's such a weird film very cool stuff uh next up here from uh, all the films is phase four and this is a film i don't even have a copy of myself um, i have two copies <laughs> I can't believe I don't those even... next year vampire diaries I just never bought the DVD of phase vampire 4 vampire journal Jamie uh, it's close enough yeah this is a blu-ray I am gonna pick up because yeah I'll have to buy it sometime but um yeah phase 4 from from all the films if you're not familiar with it it is a well ant film killer ant film I love killer ants uh, also from Kino, we've got uh, Stephen King's Sometimes They Come Back. That's Olive, bro. That's Olive, bro. Did I say Kino? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I don't know what I'm doing with my life anymore. <laughs> yeah, from Olive, Sometimes They Come Back. Of course I know that. Um, not really my favorite Stephen King adaptation, I, I won't lie. I um, really like it. it. To me, it always felt like a TV movie, but it also is very depressing. It's a very depressing movie, but I've always been a fan. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I just, I, when, when they first announced it, I was, I wasn't overly stoked about it because I have the DVD and I was like, I don't need to upgrade this, man. Well, that's probably the one you're going to get from all of <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Well, that, that's just my luck, right? <laughs> uh, next up here from Warner is another one of these, uh, collections. Um, they put out the Hammer Horror Volume 1 just, uh, recently this month too which is a really really good box set and i believe this one's the exact same and it's called the special effects collection uh featuring mighty joe young son of kong them and the beast from 20,000 fathoms god that uh, is so cheesy 
Yeah. Uh, Th- them I, is, will say, I love Them. Them is a great yeah, fun time. Them is a fun, fun film, yeah. Um, yeah, th- this one right here, I, I've got to grab, man. So I, I grabbed the Hammer Horror one, and the quality of it is so good. Like, the box is just like a brick, too, and the Digibook is all nice and ah, really good stuff. So, But, yeah, if you want to – and I believe all these are getting solo Blu-ray releases, too. So you can grab them like that. Uh, next up from our favorite company in the world, Twilight Times. They are releasing John Carpenter's Vampires. They just seem to love releasing films that I would love to have an upgrade of, but I won't buy. Unless, of course, it's The Blob, because I caved on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking <laughs> hypocrite. Fucking hypocrite. I admit it. I am a hypocrite. I totally admit it. So you can't rip on me. I'm an asshole. But yeah, John Carpenter's... Uh, that's, uh, that, that title's JP's title. <laughs> vampires man fuck Ugh. i love it man i love that film i know it gets a lot of mixed reviews and stuff but I'm, i've always been a big fan uh next up man we've got a whew, this one looks super independent and i believe yeah it is re- being released by wild eye and that is creeps like good the cover, cover art, man. good cover you know i mean with wild eye it might be the best thing about the film who knows but you know it's wild eye uh, next up here from Bill Sabub, our favorite indie indie director. Uh, he's releasing a film called Nightmare on Elmo Street, <laughs> featuring Erin Brown, who I actually met at Wasteland earlier this year, and she was awesome. Um, yeah, you never know what you're going to get with a Bill Sabub film. So no, you film. always know what you're. Yeah, gonna it's get shit. Film. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. Like he does, he does some comedy films, and then he does like straight up like total serious films. It's fucking strange, man. I would like he to has... see one of those totally serious films because everything those are his I've better seen films. are fucking like I don't like them. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I'm not actually a big fan of his like comedy ones either because I just feel like he's just kind of going through the motions to get the film done a lot of the times. And uh, his his more serious ones are actually, well, they're just indie, low budget, shitty films that are serious. You know, they're they're better. Just put it that way. So, I don't know. This one's got Aaron Brown in. He's got like a well known. So you're actress. saying, do you want a turd on a, I don't know, it, JP's it, it, face, or do you want a turd on the toilet? Jesus, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus <up>. Christ! <laughs> Our fucking favorite company once again, Wild Eye releasing is releasing Caesar and Otto's Paranormal Halloween. Now, as bad as that sounds, Caesar and Otto actually does some pretty funny films, so... The Christmas one. I've heard of the Christmas one. Yeah, yeah, it's actually pretty fun, man. They got some pretty clever jokes in there and stuff, so... You know, before you go judging, you know, like, Paranormal Halloween, I know that title is terrible, but you have to remember it's Caesar and Otto putting this out, so it could be pretty funny. Uh, next up, I believe, again, from... Wild Eye, I want to say this is Wild Eye. Yeah, yeah what is Wild- this? It's called The Sadist with uh, Tom Savini apparently is in this film. It says Tom <laughs> so. Savini, The Sadist, like as if it's like Tom Savini's film, but apparently he's just no. an actor. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. The cover looks okay. I don't know. It's cheesy bad, I guess. But yeah, um, another – I just say another film with Aaron B. Ryan. No, it's a totally different actress. Uh, this one is straight independent. I think you can get this one on the uh, – Oh, what website is that? But I've been hearing really good things about this one. A few reviews going around. I know Steve did one. I know Dave did one for Scare Waves. A lot of good things about this one. So Great cover, I'm, man. Great cover. Yeah. And very I, you 80s. Know, very 80s. So it's got Aaron Ryan in it. Of course, she plays in many, um, you know, Dustin Mills films and stuff. So that's kind of cool. 
Uh, next up here is I'm not even 100% sure what this is. I'm, uh, yeah, as soon as I seen this, I had not seen of it until I'm looking at it right now. And I yeah. got to say, it, you would think that something with this title would have had a bigger press. Talking about the Psycho one? Yeah, it, it's, and it's released by like Film I've heard about film Lady or whatever. It's True Fear, The Making of Psycho. Yeah, I was like, I was like checking my DVDs and Blu-rays. I'm like, is this documentary on here? Are they just releasing solo? I'm like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck this is, man. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But I guess it's the making of Psycho. I don't know. Anyways. You want a good Psycho doc, check out Rob G's The Psycho Legacy. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, from our second favorite company out there, Full Moon is releasing a film called Devious. It doesn't even look like a Full Moon title. No, it doesn't. And it's I was like very- a Wild Eye. No, nah, it looks like an Anchor Bay. I'd say Wild, Wild Eye, Anchor Bay, I don't know, man. I, when I first saw that, yeah, too, I was like, that does not look like Full Moon at all. It looks a little serious, bad serious, you know? You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. Okay. Um, next up here, How to Save Us All. Where's the um, fucking ghostly at? Uh, how to Save Us All? Nah, definitely not a ghostly. It kind of looks like a post-apocalyptic. I don't know what the fuck. Doesn't really look that interesting. And, of course, to... And the DVD and Blu-ray releases for the 27th is a film called Rags, released by Wild Eye Releasing. These guys are on a fucking tear. <laughs> fucking tear. What is this? I swear to God, in October, they've released 414 films. Is that a new world record? Well, at least it's on 97 like it usually is. <laughs> 97. They're, they're into the, not a, like the triple digit, like 400 films this month. They released no, three of think, my professor's films. I think every week they've released like four or five. Yeah. So, I mean, really, that's a lot of work they're putting in, man. I mean, Supporting the take, indies, man. I know. I mean, you have to give it up to them, man. At least they're doing that. You know, without these companies, we wouldn't see a lot of these titles and have the. You no, know, we the wouldn't pleasure. see these titles. <laughs> We might, we wouldn't. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you never know. There's still this trauma out there, right? And not, we're not even mm-hmm. getting started on trauma. So shut the fuck up, JP. Uh, yeah. But that is going to do it for the DVD and Blu-ray releases. That's the release of the week. October 27th, 2015. And I'm getting to that. Right, God. My release of the week. Is this going to cause some controversy? It could. I don't know. Is Where it going the to? Fuck is Doctor Terror's House of Horrors? Mm. Oh, is that actually is that actually slated to come out this week? Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, well, someone fucked up on their list here. Yeah, there's there's it's never a complete list from this. Site. No, it it really isn't. I mean, to be honest, this is a really good reference and stuff, and I give this guy full credit from the Horror Club dot blogspot dot ca. Uh, which is interesting because that's a Canadian. Not nah, mine is the horrorclub.blogspot.com. <laughs> really, I just see it. But anyways, um, no, I think he does a good job. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, but, yeah, but he'll throw shit on there like Southpaw. Yeah, the Jake exactly. Gyllenhaal movie. <laughs> well, be, well, that's the thing because he he puts on cult films too, right? You know that, these. Or, that's or, not a what, cult film. Well, I don't know what the fuck Southpaw is. It's that boxing, boxing movie that like mainstream fucking... boxing movie that just came out <laughs> Jesus with Christ. like Eminem. <laughs> I, Eminem's in there. Jesus, he he did this Jesus. entire soundtrack. Oh. All right, so for the pick of the week this week, now I was really kind of you know scratching my balls over this one. Um, 
it was weird, man, because I had an itch on my head and it was strange. And I was like, so you don't have a beard anymore, so you have to itch your balls. <laughs> That's how it works. Because I'm like, wow, this this week has a lot of good releases. Like, you know, you can't forget about it's like KFC. It makes your balls itch. <laughs> yeah, Army of Darkness. You know, Human Centipede box sets. I mean, those are pretty decent releases. And of course, you got the special effects collection. But ultimately, I did cave and I went with the obvious choice. And that, of course, is Arrow's Black Cat set. I mean, really, who the fuck is messing with this company right now? These guys are putting out gold. Gold. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I haven't seen the films, but I can't disagree on just the packaging alone. If the films Mm. are even half good, I, I think that it would be the release of the week for me as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I originally I was going to go with the special effects collection because I, you know, I have the Hammer collection and I know this one's identical to it. And I'm like, it's really quality, too. Um, but, you know, got to go with Arrow Man on this one. So the Black Cats definitely pick that up. But there's a lot of good releases this week. I recommend Screen Factories, Artsploitation, you know, as Jeremy recommends it, apparently. I haven't seen it yet. So. But, yeah, that is going to do it for the releases. So I do not know, but do we have any voicemails or questions this week at all? JP? Yeah, we have a couple of voicemails. They're probably from a few weeks ago because they are on my phone. I don't remember getting them. I don't know what they're about. Are you going to get them all this week or are we going to have angry commenters <laughs> once again? I, I you know, <laughs> well, fuck I never those know. people. I never know. <laughs> Look at Jeremy. Fuck our listeners. Don't yeah. alienate our listeners, man. We only have four of them. Fuck. Sorry. Fuck Derek. Fuck Brandon. Fuck Sack and fuck Dylan. There. <laughs> and fuck JP. That's, that's not bad that you named off four people that quick. That's impressive. Yeah. It is impressive. But I was, you know, honestly, speaking of listeners, I had um, Martin VP. Oh, actually, yeah, fuck Martin VP too. <laughs> he actually commented on a video the other day, and I was like, "Dude, where the fuck you been, man?" And then he responded to it and shit. And it was understandable. He had a kid, and you know, life gets busy. I can relate. But yeah, it was it was very interesting to see someone that was such a huge supporter of the first season, mm-hmm. and you know, just always down. You know, just get busy in life and stuff. But it was cool to see him come back. So yeah, I, I, felt, I felt good at that point. I was like, "That's cool." At that you know? time, just, he was probably our number one supporter in terms of just like regular comments, regular listens, regular yeah, feedback. And, you know, and, and it's too bad because I mean, this is before we had the voicemail and stuff. I, I don't believe we had it in the first season. So if we did, maybe he would have phoned in and left one. So phone in. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> call in, joke that bitch, don't give a fuck. <laughs> phone call that shit. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you say it, it just fucking kills me. It's so goddamn Canadian lingo. It, what kills me is how much it kills Jeremy. It, like it even kills me more. That's <laughs> so funny. Every time he says because it. not only does he say phone and he knows you're gonna laugh at it, but then he tries to like fix it and he says phone call, which we don't say either. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We don't even say that either. I was trying to explain this one time. I use the word phone and I use the word call all the time, but in different scenarios. And it's weird. Like I'll say call. Like I need to call that bitch or whatever. You know, I don't know why I'd be saying call that bitch because I'm fucking married. Because you're talking <laughs> to Jeremy. That's why. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, it's funny because I was like trying to think about it. I'm like, I do use phone and I use call. And I'm like, I don't fucking know, man. I'm glad that I amuse you guys, though. That's good. Yep. And you amuse our listeners. And speaking of our listeners, here is Brandon. Hey, guys. It's Brandon calling in. Uh, It's been a while. Just 
one call in, say hi. Um, talk a little bit about 2015. It's been a phenomenal year, I think, for the genre so far. I actually think it's been stronger than last year, and I think it's mainly because of the diversity. Um, I think you've seen a resurgence in the slasher genre and the horror comedy genre. And I Ooh. know horror comedy gets a lot already of... already talked about this. A lot of crap from a lot of people. <laughs> that's a perfect and pause. I think that's just mainly because over the last, I don't know how many years, it's just been more of the comedy making fun of the story, making fun of the horror, rather than it being subtle and kind of almost driving the story. And I think the horror comedies this year have been really top-notch. Um, love to hear your thoughts. I think this year is also going to be uh, pretty crazy when it comes down to the end-of-the-year top ten show. Um, no standout front runners for me, but... As someone who's seen close to 100 films already this year, I could probably have about... Bragger. <laughs> 40 to 50 films that could potentially be in, in my top... Uh, I'm going to do, I guess, the top 30 this year. So, yeah, just thought I'd uh, call in, get your thoughts on the horror comedies. I also hear a lot of people say that um, horror comedies only work if they're done right. I want to know what that means. For me, that means the subtlety of the humor, kind of not, you know, overdoing it and and kind of taking away from the scary part of, yeah. the, of the story. But just wondering what your guys' thoughts are on that. All right. Take care. Later. On that note, suburban gothic, that's how you do it right. It's comedic timing and a good script. And I agree, man. If you If it's like over the... I, I think sometimes things work if they're over the top based on what the film is, you know, offering, you know, in, in suburban Gothic, you know, the storyline is a little bit silly, of course, but it's not like ridiculously silly, but what makes it work is the script is smart too. It's smart and it's funny and it casted well, you know, whoever wrote the screenplay for the film did a really good job, but he cast these people that just had the greatest comedic timing in it and, and I think those are the those are the elements that make these type of films work. I mean it's kinda hard to really pinpoint exactly what works because there's different types of comedies and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I think some of the overtop ones do work for what they are, but I think for suburban gothic, what I'm talking about, you know, it's it it's a little more subtle at times. Like there's some jokes in there that I fucking was pissing myself and they're kind of subtle just the way they're delivered. And it's like, I, I personally think those are the best type of comedies. Um, Suburban Gothic, I think, is the standout one that I've seen this year. Um, the worst being Gravy. And I know Brandon, who just phoned in, really enjoyed that one. I think that that movie was just did not work. I think, it, honestly, I think it's complete shit. <laughs> I, I, I won't lie. I think it's one of the worst. It's just really, really bad. Um, but I think, you know, oddly enough, uh, of course, the uh, the editor has comedic elements to it too. Of course, because you know they're they're almost in a way spoofing you know giallo films and you know Italian films in general. But again, the script is fucking smart, man. It's really really smart, and it makes sense. And I think the that's what really works. So you know the editor and suburban gothic are you know on the same type of level. They're different. They're completely different type of films. But those are the elements that work for me. So. 
For, for me personally, it, it's it's about how well you tell the joke. It, it isn't just because you do a joke or just because you do something offensive. Like take a Bill Zabub film, for example. Like he is like offensive like South Park, but not intelligently clever like South Park. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. to me, a horror comedy is about subtlety most of the time. Now there are like the over-the-top ones that I enjoy too sometimes. But my personal favorite is like the Return of the Living Dead Chainsaw 2 type horror comedies where they're just – it's this dark humor. I, I enjoy that because it to me it's it doesn't – Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> it, exactly. Two, there it is. Texas Chainsaw 2. Yeah. It doesn't deviate from the story to, to be funny. It, it's it, it, this, The funniness is part of the story. It's just happening like smoothly and when you when you have these films that are just just dumb joke after dumb joke just because they think of something uh, offensive or they think of something that that is so outrageous like to me that shit it's it's silly it doesn't work it's amateurish people anybody could come up with that shit the reason you don't go to a comedian to see a stand-up comic just because uh they wrote down the the most retarded shit that they could think of like the jokes are clever they're crafted and yeah yeah they have to be in movies too for it to work for me do you find that casting i don't care do you think that casting really helps though like you know just yeah well you mentioned the comedic timing that's a huge thing in in a film like um the film that we watched last year, uh, the title of it's Escaping Me Moods, the New Zealand one, it made both of our top tens. Uh, Housebound. Housebound, yes. Uh, that one, the timing was great. Like, it, it was it was almost all timing. Like, comedic timing is what made that film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, like, with Suburban Gothic, for me, was, uh, you know, I've never seen the show Criminal Minds before, but the guy that stars in it, Matthew Gray, uh, Gubbler, I believe is what his name is. Um, apparently he plays kind of a weirdo in the show too, but you know, he kind of plays a very similar kind of not like a rejected, you know, character in society or anything, but he's just odd. He's just an oddball. And, but I think the casting was perfect for the part, you know, like it just seems like that type of person was just perfect to play it, you know, but you know, it, it comes down to the script, but it, honestly, the way lines are delivered by this guy in the film are so brilliant. It's just, it's perfect. And I, I think that, you know, obviously everybody has different tastes in comedy, though, too. And I think that's really what it kind of comes down to. You know, if you if you like slapstick, ridiculous, over-the-top comedy, you know, if you like Chris Farley or you like someone like, you know, something more subtle, you know, I'm just throwing things out you know i i understand why people some people don't like chris farley films i mean they don't like that type of comedy or whatever yeah, but i like but, those films as comedies exactly right? as but comedies. i'm just saying I'm, I'm just taking you know that kind of slapstick but yeah. you put it into or you know maybe it doesn't really make a lot of sense but you know personally i think it does come down to the type of comedian or comedy that people do like you mm-hmm. know um, that's true you know, it, I guess it's all personal preference, though, too. But me personally, I do like the things like Suburban Gothic and stuff like that, like in the editor. I mean, the editor is a little more silly at times. Not silly, silly, but it's just you have to see it, though. But Suburban Gothic is just one of those perfect comedies that that is just based on great casting script and timing of comedic elements that just are awesome. <laughs> so, um, 
I don't know, man. Jeremy, Jeremy, I would like to hear your views on this because I believe that uh, that Brandon's actually referring to something that you quoted. Um, I believe that you wrote it down in the Facebook page one day. Horror comedies are something that, or I, I think it was you. I, I don't know. Um, they're funny if they're done right. Or was that JP? I'm not sure who wrote that. Well, JP's remember, more into this whole horror comedy than. But I, I remember mean. someone actually wrote that in on a comment. Mm-hmm. So I can't. I just want to laugh. Yeah, I mean, I understand I that. I understand it, but yeah, you know, everybody does have different taste in what they find funny. You know, like yeah. I mean, personally, well, what like, is I'm your like, ideal? I like really demand. Like I made a joke earlier tonight when we were in the group page, and you know, something about Zach's saying that JP has Italian in him, and I said, well, only when Zach's standing behind him. Yeah, that's funny. And, like, that's and, like, a clever was, joke. See, it's funny. But uh-huh. like, I like I like sick jokes like that. You know, it's like, you know, but some people don't. And like, I don't mind to see that on film either. Like, I, I find it kind of funny and, and oddly relaxing when I, you know, when for, people are just disgusting. I'm just like, yeah, I feel at home. First of all, <laughs> to know? me also going going to that, you said some people don't like those type of jokes or whatever. To me, comedy has no boundaries. The, but the, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you can just do the most insane thing and it be funny. Yeah. And uh-huh. I, I don't have like do do whatever like as long as it's in the realms of the law as long as it, like you're not breaking the law, funny it, like you can do you can do whatever you want and I I don't think there should be any limit on on both creativity and and comedy in general. But exactly, J- exactly. Jeremy, what what is your ideal co- horror comedy? Mm, Bloody Knuckles is really fucking funny. It has, um you know really good aspects of horror and it has good gore and good effects and everything like that but this has some moments in it that's just really clever and really funny in my opinion no i don't know i don't know how to really talk about it like i said whatever just really makes me laugh i really don't care what kind of style it's in just if it makes me laugh that's all that matters to me mm-hmm is it is it one like I know the the film was made in Canada. Is it one of those you know conscious Canadian comedies where they you know they they poke fun of Canada? Well, not even that. Like it made me laugh. Like the main villain in the film is Asians, and you always talked to me when you were here about the Asians in Vancouver and how they're crazy. Oh. So just like yeah, it just makes me laugh. Like there's there's I think there's jokes in there that you'll get more than I'll get mm-hmm. simply because of the Canadian thing. But yeah. Well, the thing it, – it also depends where it's filmed though too. It, it, you know, Canada is just like the US. It's like, you know, in the East Coast, like there's – I can't even understand those people talk. I, I don't fucking understand. They use words. They have accents that I don't get. I, they Everything in the East is so different than the West. Like it's like a different country and it's kind of like, you know, you take like – you know, a born and raised New York or somebody from Brooklyn and you put them into LA, it's like a different fucking world. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's exactly how it is here too. It's so strange. Like and people all the time ask me, they're like, you're Canadian. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> they're like, Oh, well you don't say a boot. And I'm like, yeah, well, stereotypes, but <laughs> yeah, it's cause like everybody's like, Oh, I love step brothers. I was like, okay, step brothers is funny and yeah. all, but like I, mean, I talk about old school being one of my favorite comedies all the time. And like, there's not many people that really talk about that film that much anymore but i fucking still love that movie it makes me laugh every time i watch it like i said it's just it's whatever makes me laugh yeah mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like my favorite again coming back again coming down to personal preference of mm-hmm. what you find is funny it's just people have different comedy oh by the way for the listeners out there that don't know my joke about jp and zach what makes it funny is zach's italian 
<laughs> people that don't know that. Yeah. I just wanted to. I'm sure there is people listening are like, that's not funny. Uh, but it is if Zach's Italian, right? Yeah, because he's standing behind him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Clever. But yeah, I mean, uh, and also, Brandon, we look forward to publishing your uh, top. I believe you said you might even do a 30 this time on the website at, like we did last year. So we'll uh, be looking forward to that. Yes, Brandon. Thank you once again for the call. And uh, I actually do want you to maybe make a quick video or maybe even phone in and just explain why you find gravy to be so good. I'm actually really, really curious, man. I'm not trying to put you out there or whatever. I'm actually curious. It's so funny. He does it subconsciously. It's fucking funny. You know, um, there you go. There you go. So yeah, just phone in again. So call the show as soon as you can and, or just, you know, maybe on the group page or whatever, but just, just tell me, I'm curious. I'm curious because I really did not find it funny at all. So, all right. Yeah. So moving on, we have the homie Derek. Hey guys, Derek here. I'm back again. We are too. Finally. Yeah, us too. <laughs> it's ironic, isn't it? I got one question for you guys. Sweet, uh, I was wondering, did you guys do your year best of the year show? <laughs> Weird. It'd be kind of interesting, like. Uh, Cool if you guys would pay respect to like the ones that like in memoriam of all those that we lost in the horror world because there's been a lot. And I know you guys covered a few of them, but it'd be really cool if like you guys could like do that because it'd be awesome and pay respect to the ones that we all lost. I got favorite actors and directors and stuff like that and all that good stuff. And I got another question, actually. If you could, like, take, like, three different mongoloid films and make them, like, a family, who would you have as the father, who would you have as the wife, and who would be the baby of that family? (laughs) Yes. They could be, like, a same-sex marriage couple or any of that good stuff. <laughs> Derek does not discriminate. I go to North School and never discriminate. Wicked awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing is maybe talking a little bit about the uh, people who passed at the end of the year. That's not actually a bad idea. I was actually even considering maybe doing a non-film version of the Hall of Fame and uh, you know, obviously, somebody like Wes Craven would be inducted. You know, and I, I think that that might even be interesting. I actually had this idea already. I just probably didn't bring it to you guys, but I thought about this. You know, because I, I remember we were having a conversation earlier, and I said, "Man, this year has been crazy for deaths." You know, the, I don't know what it is about 2015, but so many people have passed away this year. And I was thinking, you know, of doing that or bringing up that idea for the 2015 show, but. Of course, Derek had to phone in and mention it. So that's good. That's good. That's awesome because I think it's a really good idea. Uh, it's actually quite a bit of research involved in this too. I can't quite remember everyone that's passed away, but this has been a pretty interesting year. And I think it makes it a really interesting subject or, uh, you know, segment too. So yeah, you but know what, Derek? To pay our respects. Um, why don't you do us a favor? 
and uh, keep track of the people that are going to die in the rest of the few months <laughs> that are going to die and, and make a list and have he's that got, ready for like us. Medical reports and everything. He's yeah. like, well, you know, fucking you know, carpenter's not looking too good. Oh, I take that back. Actually. Shit. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, <laughs> think, breaking think, news. John Carpenter dies. I think, Cause I think, says the, so. I think we honestly curse the West Craven thing, man. Yeah, I don't know. I'll take the blame for that one. But, uh, if you kill Johnny Carpenter in the same year, I'm going to be pissed. But Derek, yeah, maybe maybe like one of the even if not Derek, somebody can uh, have a list for us like closer to the end of the year. That would be pretty awesome because, you know, I mean the the amount of research and just crazy stuff that that we do during that time is just insane anyway. And I personally don't feel like adding another task if somebody else would do it for me. So yeah, awesome. So as for the other question. Mongoloids. Well, let's come up with one family here. One like family together. Jeremy, you pick one, the mother. One. Moods, you pick the father, and I'll pick the baby. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I think there's only one mother that we have to go with here. Who is it? The mother from People Under the Stairs. Is that a mongoloid? mongoloid? It has to be a, a mongoloid. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, let me rethink now. Moods, you go first. Ah, oh, for a father, man. Hmm. I don't know, man. Uh, I, I don't know. I'd probably go with... Oh, I'm gonna, I know it's such a cop-out, but I want to say Victor Crowley. Baby Jason. Baby Jason, that's a good one. Baby Jason. Nice. Okay, that works though. Victor Crowley is the father of baby Jason. Mm-hmm. Who's the mom? Come Who on, gave Jeremy. To this? Who gave birth to this mongoloid? Mm. Mm. Oh. I wish you would have fucking gave me a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy doesn't like put it, being put on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jeremy. Uh, One mongoloid mom. But it has to be a lady. Yeah, I said mom. I know. Well, how many mongoloid ladies are there? We could always go the same sex route. Do you want to try your hand at that? Eh. Nah. I want to think of a lady. Lady. Who the fuck's a mongoloid that's a lady? <laughs> Like, no, I'm serious. All right, I- I'll pick it. Jennifer. I-, I was waiting for him to say it because I thought it was an easy pick, but I'm going to go with Jennifer. From- that was the oh. obvious choice. Jeremy, you fail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what right. you, and you know what? Jeremy's never got an F in his whole life, so this is this is a big deal. Yeah. In all honesty. But no, that makes sense, though. Really, Jennifer married to Victor Crowley. I guess I better phone into my Jason. therapist and see if she can help me out. <laughs> uh but yeah, think about it, Jennifer. It will fuck anything, up. right? Like she is a succubus, just fucking you know, grab Victor Crowley and just you know. That's and that's perfect, man, because you know she needs someone that can kind of control her a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. Victor's powerful. He can just kind of place her hips on his mongoloid. <laughs> Out pops baby Jason, and there Bob pops baby Jason. That's good shit. Good stuff. Wow. Well, I think we fucking murdered that question. 
You did, man. I'm really hot and bothered. No, I just, I did. <laughs> well, I meant murdered in a good way, but yes, you uh, murdered in a bad way. All right, that's all right. <laughs> I guess I'm tired from fucking you, like Mood said. Oh, uh, no, Mood not. said me fucking you. Oh, no. No, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> all right, let's move on to... You are the asshole, so you're going to take it. Oh, I think that's bam. the best thing you've ever came up with. Congratulations. That was not bad. That, that, that was, was not bad. <laughs> good. All right, I ain't got nothing. Let's move on. Oh! <laughs> hey, oh, shit. I hope I'm calling in time for the podcast. Uh, Did you say Lawrence? Well, I just wanted to uh, thank you for responding to my question about the uh, genres and uh, what movies have, uh, have done it in a slightly different way. Sorry, I'm getting tired right now. Uh, but since you didn't get the question before, I thought I'd give it to you now. Uh, surreal sets. I'm talking about set pieces, locations in movies that were just bizarre. Uh, something that stood out in your mind. Something at the place where it's instantly recognizable. That you could not only tell where it is or in what movie it came from, but it, it had some kind of impact, maybe even in as much impact as the actual characters that were in it. My pick would probably be the Cornova Milk Bar from A Clockwork Orange, or how about the town in the Captain and Dr. Calgary? Yeah. Also, just about any room in the dance school of Suspiria would probably do it, but... Actually, I think just about any room in any Dario Argento film is probably going to qualify for that. But definitely any location inside the dance house of Suspiria. Just want to know which set stood out for you. And hope you guys keep being awesome. We will. We will keep being awesome. Fucking house and angst, man. Yeah, that's a good one, Jeremy. Fucking good. <laughs> That that is a good one. Uh, I haven't even seen that shit. I, you you know, suck. Those those were some good picks. Uh, I think, man. See, to me, like something, something that always uh, stands out to me is just like you know the Elm Street house. Ah, oh, you fucking cop out. <laughs> no, I <don't> do that. <laughs> creative. Uh, the Jeepers Creepers okay. fucking uh, church with all the dead bodies stitched to the wall. Okay. I think of like the Children of the Corn Part 5 compound. And what was that? What compound? Didn't they live in a fucking compound, Part 5? And you're telling me... Oh, God. <laughs> you're busting on my answers? Okay, well... What was the original part of the question? What was the first part of the question again? Just sets that really stood out stood out to you, like like locations and stuff. Yeah, that yeah. just are instantly recognizable. Oh man, okay. Um, the first one for me, straight hands down, is uh, the the hotel from The Shining. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. It's fucking amazing, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, so sweet, man. Always loved it. <clears throat> Kubrick knew his locations. Yes, he did. Yeah. 
I mean, I mean, really, it's I mean, it's almost like a cop out to to say I feel like a, Kub- right. a like, Kubrick film, but really, it's it's kind of you know you just oh I got one Eraserhead I got man. one this one's the best one the Psycho House yeah I was thinking that but that's a cop out too oh my this it, like, what is a cop out the question is what is something that is completely recognizable even more so than some of the characters like okay I, the fucking okay. Psycho House is amazing. Okay, like this saying, might, this might be a little bit cabin. of a cop out too, but what about the the cemetery in Night of the Living Dead? Uh, Is me, it a cop out? No, but to me, I, it's not as recognizable. Like if I walked up to that cemetery today, I wouldn't be able to be like, "Oh, that's the fucking cemetery from Night of the Living Dead." Yeah, I mean, I guess, but yeah. I if know. I walk up to fourteen twenty eight and it has bars on the window, I'm gonna be like, "That is fucking. That's Nancy's house." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, same the... thing with the psycho house, right? I mean, if you're standing at the motel and you look up that house, like the house, the house in uh, in Fulci's Beyond. Yeah, I haven't you know. seen that yet. Yeah, it's been. I think there's been a few films filmed there. So in New Orleans, you know. I thought it was a fucking sweet video that uh, Jason did from Beyond the Realms. He was in New Orleans and he went to the the Fulci yeah. uh, Beyond House and he was filming. It's fucking cool, man. He's like standing out there. I'm like, holy fuck! It was just like so cool, man. Just like look just like it. It's fucking rad. Pretty cool stuff. But what's the uh, what's the segment that you really like that Buddy does there? The hollowed the horrors ho- horrors hollowed grounds. Fucking horrors love it. hollow grounds. That's what it is. I always fuck that up, but yeah, those those are pretty cool, man. Yeah, I have they're, a they're my favorite appreciation for like sets and you know locations and stuff. After watching things like that, I'm like, that's really fucking cool, actually. Yeah, and it's even you know, it's more interesting when like one location in the film is right here, and then it's like, and then we just walk 15 minutes down the road, and this is where they shot the barn scene, and then you're like, whoa, but that takes place way different place in the movie. You know, it's so cool. Yeah, it is sweet. So th- those are the voicemails. What about the mall? In uh, Dawn of the Dead. Oh, uh, you the fucking cop out. Uh, no, no, no. I this just want to say, like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just asking a question, Jeremy. Holy fuck, settle down. I was asking JP since he's been there. So, like, when you walk into the mall, is it like that recognizable still? No. Or is it just like, no, is it like all brand new? and Yeah, it, it's not really this like recognizable like it it would be if you would walk into. Yeah, I, you know, it's actually been a few years since I've even been there, but. Mm-hmm. I'm just busting your balls because we are horror, horror horror historians. We should come up with better answers than whatever what? else would say. But, but that's I'm... the question, though, right? He's asking what are the locations that are instantly recognizable in horror, and uh, those everybody are... fucking knows that who's listening to this show in the first place. Hey, you never know, man. I guess so. You never know. You never know. I, I think it's snow. more of just a, a, a reason to discuss <laughs> these locations. If In other words, Jeremy was just being himself. Yeah, just being an asshole. <laughs> it's okay. No, you said, because... you said snob. J- JP's the asshole. Yeah. You're the snob, and I'm just I'm, I'm just s- fucking loud. I'm You're just the annoying. Canadian. Yeah. yeah exactly. Fuck I'm those the... Canadians. <laughs> fucking Canadian. Yeah. Any more? Nope, that's all of them. Well, that's all the voicemails, so we didn't have any questions. We don't get questions anymore because nobody leave comments anymore on videos. Yeah, and if they uh, do, I don't get them. Yeah, I mean, they're... You know what, far. though? So I get some questions, but they're pretty minor. They're not for this segment of the show, so... One yeah. time on a previous episode, 
there was a voicemail from Rob from Georgia, and he asked if there was special features on the Halloween 6 box set edition because there wasn't on the new release, and we never answered it. And yes, there are special features on that edition. Yes, there is. I do know that. Alrighty, so are we getting into some knowledge, guys? Yeah, yeah. I, I have a little topic. It, it shouldn't take up too much time. It's just something that I thought would be interesting to address considering we never really talk about this, but group page etiquette. What do you guys feel <laughs> about... I'm, I'm sorry. It just sounded like right away it was like, hey, guys, you might want to cool it down a little bit. No, I think we already got rid of the. No, I was going to say the F word, but I think we already got rid of the. uh, (laughs) Trying to think of a politically politically correct word. I was going to say homos, but that's not politically correct, even though I just said it. Even though you just said it, yeah. Yeah. Coming from the guy that's in art school too, it's like wow. Yeah. Dude, you got a lot of nerve, man. Oh, we got rid of Shankle and JPR. There you go. I guess that's a good way to say it. So, <laughs> Talking to the dude who at least blew two people in his life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the, the question. Who did I blow? <sighs> You're on the show, right? <laughs> um, yeah, man. And, and that's you guys can't right see us at home, head. but we both have big smiles on our face. Right? It's gone right over my head. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, you know, I forget who posed the question, but what what do you guys feel about people sharing their YouTube videos, their podcasts, their uh, reviews, their short films, their uh, selling stuff? What what do you guys feel about that going in not only our group, but other groups? You know, personally, man, I don't really give a shit. I, I generally don't post a lot of my own videos and stuff in there unless it's for a specific reason or whatever. I don't go overboard. Relevant uh, to I, the conversation. I haven't posted one of my 31 videos in there. And I, never I only really post care. my reviews, my written stuff. I don't post my videos. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm not really one to, you know, self promote over and over again. I just don't really care enough to do it. But, you know, for other people, if, if that's what you want to do and stuff, you know, I mean, I have no problem with people posting, um, their podcasts or videos or, you know, I do have a little bit of problem sometimes when people are posting things to sell over and over again. That That sometimes kind of, I don't know what it is, but I just, I just, then if shit goes south, then we look bad and it's like, eh. I don't know. I just, for some reason, it just, I don't know. It just, I don't, it's not like terrible or anything. I understand. But the thing is, there's like complete groups for that though, too, you know, just for trading and it's not really a discussion group. It's just for, you know, trading and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it's not like the worst thing in the world, but yeah, for selling, you know, obviously sunglasses and stuff. Yeah. I don't, we don't tolerate that, but, uh, you know, selling things, eh. but if you want to promote your own podcast, I mean, our page is for our podcast, you know, that's what we promote on there. If you have your own podcast and you want to promote it on there, feel free. I would like if you guys would, you know, contribute to the page a little more than just self-promotion, you know, but at the same time, you know, it's not a big deal to me. You know, if you want to post on that, I don't care. Uh, not a big deal. Videos, written reviews like Jeremy does. I, I like seeing those things because it's activity. 
you know, it, 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 I feel like, you know, people are still putting in, you know, the time and, you know, the effort to do it. So, and it gets conversations started and, you know, I like that. So yeah, I when you're at it, make sure you call JP a fucking asshole. Thanks. That's <laughs> mandatory. That is, that, is mandatory. Man- that, that is mandatory. So, you know, all in all, I don't really have a problem. Like, I'm not much for toot my own whistle. I don't self-promote a lot. I don't really care too much about it, to be honest. But if you guys are down with it, then feel free to go ahead. Well, I, okay. I think one thing that you should start doing you is... You motherfucker, you just posted a 31 Day of Horror video two days ago. Fucking moods. No, I didn't. That was Zach. No, moods fell it. How do you pronounce your last name? I don't even know. I just fucking know it's called. It's, it's all love. Well, I think anyway. LOL. Comment section out of control. 31 Days of Horror, Day 20. Cape that's, of the Living that, Dead, 1964. Image Entertainment. That's ex- that's exactly why I posted it because I was posting it for the discussion to start about the discussion that was happening in the video. But you still post Because. Yeah, but he because, did say if it's relevant to what we were talking about or conversation or something. Exactly. So, so this movie – and guy comments this, this is why i posted it because i mean this is very very random i mean this is like day 21 or 22 or something but the point was is because the conversation <laughs> happening on my on my video i love jp stop talking smack son movie guy id seven foot tall he will literally fuck you <laughs> it's like the worst fucking okay so th- this was the whole this was the whole point of it so i started posting I'm because sorry, zach and jp were having funny. this conversation so zach and jp were having this conversation with somebody that had left a comment and neither of them realized that he was part of our facebook group but i did That's funny. right so i posted the video without saying anything i never responded to anything and i just posted it for the point of continuing the conversation here that's the only reason why that video got posted so yeah but, but- but Moods, I think you should not be so iffy on self-promotion or even more, more importantly, the screeners that we get. Like we're, we're trying to do a service to get as many people to see them as possible in turn for them sending us the copies. We are, you know, reviewing their film and getting it out in the world. So I think you should post those ones. Now, I, I mean, that's still up to you and stuff, but I, I honestly think you should post them in the group. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I guess I never really think about it because I, I do the, the videos and then I just kind of forget about it. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I was I, I guess I was just kind of overlooking it a little bit, too, though, and also thinking maybe, you know, you'll you'll grab those videos down the road and put them on the website and stuff. And that's which good I for, do, too, you know, as well. and so, yeah, that is, know, true. It is what it is. So, uh, I mean, it, it is what it is. And, you know, the videos. I, I honestly I like when posts create a, like a conversation and stuff when someone asks a question and like the whole group gets involved like if I post a review and reviews aren't for everybody you know I mean I'll be honest I don't really watch a lot of reviews on YouTube unless I've seen the video or <laughs> seen the movie before I think you're like that too though right yep and yeah so I mean I can see some of the movies that I'm posting if the people aren't interested because they've never seen it they don't want to watch it I respect that because I do review a lot of films that I can see that people haven't seen them before. I mean, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> so, I mean, at this point, I'm reviewing films I've never seen before, so it is what it is. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I just – I never really thought of it like that. I guess it's kind of strange, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's – you know, when Jeremy posts his written reviews, it just – for me, it just makes more sense for some weird reason. It's like a written review. Just post it. I don't know. I, I just don't well, have a problem It also with it makes sense because it's not in a feed. Right, your YouTube videos I guess so. are in a feed, 
So if people want to see them, they subscribe. Man, but also, sometimes yeah. people miss things. So I don't I, go in the woods alone. Review bombed. <laughs> yeah, but your other one did really, really well. So yeah, it did really well. Uh, the the no, Nightmare Weekend one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, something that I was gonna say is, I, I don't have a, a problem with it. That was a good review, it. by the way, Jeremy. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. I read. I read all your reviews. I just never say anything. I don't know. All right. Because <laughs> I was like talking to the the internship lady yesterday, and we were talking about the show and stuff, and she was looking at the website. She's like reading my review, and she's like, "Oh yeah, there's an error in your first sentence." I'm like, "Fuck!" I always <laughs> really? fucking bash assholes for having errors in their first sentences, and I have one in my first sentence. But no way, it happens to the best of us. Yeah. Which, which review was it? My don't go in the woods alone review. Oh really? Oh, okay, no, I haven't read that one yet. You yeah. just posted it, right? So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I was like, yeah, I was like talking. I was like, yeah, my podcast is called Twenty Two Shots of Moods and Horror. I go, yeah, I think me and my two friends should have fucking thought of a better name when we were coming up with our podcast, but it, now we're stuck with it. <laughs> it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, back to the topic. I I personally do not have a problem with anybody sharing anything as long as it does not become spammy, because people get annoyed at spam, including me. And I'm a little less annoyed than maybe some of my co-hosts. Uh, they get really annoyed if somebody you know posts every single Blu-ray they pick up, <clears throat> and not JPR. not in one cut one photo, but individually. <laughs> okay, to be to be honest though, I don't get mad when people post pickup videos or uh, pictures. You know, this is what I got in the mail today. I mean, in fact, you did it today. You you had a, a great mail day, so you post them. I respect that. That's cool. Um, because it starts conversations, but when someone posts a picture of a recent Blu-ray and it, that's it, mm-hmm. like they don't, it's just like that's it. But it's like constant, over and over again. It's like, okay, dude, are you trying to start a conversation or are you fucking just plain out showing off? <laughs> imagine if, moved, way, imagine if Moods took a picture of every individual uh, pickup he got. <laughs> dude, I would have no friends in the world. People would be like, this guy is a fucking dick. All he does is post all fucking Not a day. Dick, just fucking annoying. Exactly. It's like I mean, and that's the point, right? I mean, you post that, and like, you know, it's like a, it's a bunch of films, and people are going to comment on it. If you just you do the same thing over and over and over and over again, it's redundant. It's lame. It's boring. Move on. The fuck out of here. So yeah, but what I was saying also was, <laughs> you know, I have no beef with with people promoting their podcast or promoting their YouTube videos because what do we like? We like horror. Why is it a negative thing to get more of what we like? Why like why is it a negative thing to be like all you people are here to listen to this podcast like maybe you would like my podcast. Like you probably honestly would and you know half the half the people won't click on it. Uh, another half will think that it's you know a negative thing but why is it a negative thing isn't that the point isn't it the point to 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 share and love horror in in all ways like why 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 you're you're a lot of times people are instantly negative on it before they even give the podcast or the video a shot just simply because it's not what they are 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 there originally for you know i mean that makes sense i mean people are you know sometimes destined to to judge before they give anything a shot, it's like, you know, you know, people that have been in our group page since the start expect to see post, you know, our podcast and maybe that's all they want to see. So when they see something else and they're like, well, that's foreign. 
I'm like, well, this guy must be from Canada, fucking dick. <laughs> and uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like it, it becomes that unfamiliar ground that people are just not willing to to step into. Yeah. You know, and and I I understand where people are coming from, but I mean, for us, I think it's a little different. I mean, I know at least me and you. I know Jeremy's a little different sometimes, but um, when I see someone else post a podcast, I'm like, cool, man. No, 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 no. All the pro- I, I, I really, I, I really I don't, don't bitch. give a shit. I don't care about it if they contribute. Like we were talking about, like Dave, Dave's cool McCat. He's a cool motherfucker. I don't. That care is one thing post. that does kind of irk me a little bit. Like if you're gonna post shit, I mean, just you know, comment, you know, contribute yeah. a little bit. If you're just gonna self promote and that's all you're gonna do, you know, I mean, you know, no, no I agree day, with that a little bit at, too. At I, the I end mean, of the day, I'm still not, I'm not gonna be totally against it. But you know, it would be nice. I mean, you're in this group, just contribute more yeah. than just self promote. So. You know that that's all we ask. It's pretty Cause, simple because we have people that literally drop their podcast link and they're out every, every week when they get their podcast done or whatever. And those people don't ever comment. They don't ever uh, say anything else but drop their link. And yeah, I'm yeah. not gonna stop it because I, honestly, I don't care enough to. But it, you know, I, I, it isn't my favorite thing. Like Jeremy said, people like Dave Z. Alex Edwards, Jason Lloyd, those guys are constantly commenting on our stuff and, and, and going back and forth in conversations. And I'm a member of all their groups too. And I talk to them over there too. I mean, the, the, those guys are cool. They, I mean, they even listen to our show, which is, which is really awesome. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I have yeah. a lot of free time at work and stuff. And, and I do listen to a lot of podcasts. And honestly, I found podcasts because they were shared in another group like I, I, there there's certain podcasts i never would have found my way to on the internet like I, there, there's no way i would have ever found it if i hadn't seen it somewhere so mm-hmm. how am i you know you have to see it somewhere so you know yeah it, it, I, I i honestly don't have beef no. with it at all i love it in fact i love the sharing i love the the contributions and everybody you know helping each other out and, and, and talking about stuff and even just the idea of sharing horror like that's what we're doing we're on social media to share our love for horror so why yeah. on earth would i not want more people to share their love for horror exactly i mean it all comes down to you know preference once again i i hate using that because it might seem like a couple but like the thing is i'm not going to drop into someone's you know private facebook group and just drop my podcast in there and just and just fucking jimmy out you know, yeah. it, it, that's just not who I am. I just never would do that. I would never drop one of my videos in there and just say, you know, even if I was, you know, an active member, you know, someone else, I don't know. I'm just, I'm weird like that. I just wouldn't do it. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't really not, do it that much either. This, I'm not saying that other people can't do that. Though. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. It's just, it's just not who I am. Yeah. You like, know? I mean, so, sometimes I'll drop our show over in Banana Lasers uh, group or whatever, but it honestly, it's, like our episode 50 i dropped in there because it was a big awesome moment and i thought that like people would be interested in that topic like casual general horror fans you see top 50 most influential horror films like most people are going to be interested in that but you know like our madman show or something i i, I didn't post that one there's i i'll go really long without posting stuff because you know i'm just not that big into hitting all the groups and posting our stuff i feel like it becomes spammy even if only they're seeing it in that group to me it's like i see that i'm posting it a bunch of times i wouldn't do i don't like doing that mm-hmm. yeah yeah but yeah I, I just wanted to bring that up and see what you guys thought and i think we're all kind of on the same page as long as you're not a dick as long as you're not spamming 
feel free to post whatever the hell you want as long as it's horror related NFL hey, don't be related. like Scott because he's a dick <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's also yeah. Canadian yeah which automatically makes you a dick um, yeah apparently so <laughs> I saw a park reference for the night yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. awesome stuff yeah, another good knowledge uh, topic right there. All right, so moving into the uh, corner's report of weird stats and morbid facts, courtesy of Rue Morgue. And this is coming from issue 160 from October 2015. So this is uh, this month's issue. And I only grabbed this, or I'm reading one from here because it was sitting on my poker table and, you know, it was close and I'm pretty fucking lazy right now, so... This is the best I got out of here. <laughs> yeah, good old Canadians, right? Um, yeah. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Before you start that, I was just looking at fucking episode one, and we were talking about Friday the 13th in episode one. <laughs> That's Seriously? crazy. We're still talking about it today, how it still never got it made. 59 fucking episodes later, and we're still talking about Friday the 13th? Yeah. Holy fuck. That's insane. That, that is crazy. Is crazy. All right. So the weird stat and morbid fact coming from this month's issue. Um, yeah, you know, honestly, there isn't really a lot of good ones. There's a couple funny ones, but I'll read this one because this is, uh, eh, it's, you know, it's relatable to me and us. We've actually covered this film on the podcast, but all right. Gilda, Gildna Radner was originally cast in Black Christmas 1974 as Pi, the role that went to Andrea Martin but had to abandon the film just before shooting because she got hired on to be on. She was hired on Saturday night night live. That's interesting. Gilda yeah. Radner really was actually cast in fucking black Christmas all the way in episode three. See, I'm pulling a JP now and referencing every time we talk about a movie. Call yeah, back. Episode three black Christmas. Um, for the people that don't know who Gilda Radner was. Yeah. She was like an original Saturday night live cast member and she passed away from cancer. Uh, she was really funny, man. But that that's really interesting that uh, that she was cast in Black Christmas. Very, very cool. But kind of sad at the same time. Yeah. But it was relatable. So, yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for Mood Swings. Yeah. All Itch. right. So moving along into the Triple W, the WWW oh, portion of the show. What we watch this week. Can't take a breath and say what you watch. What did I watch? No, I... I fucking no, can't do it. Can't do it. Like JP, you know. So who wants to start? Who wants to go? Jeremy. Ooh, so you want me to bash a movie right off the bat? You know what's coming. You know what I'm gonna bash. Bash away, my friend. I'm gonna be talking about an absolutely terrible, terrible, terrible film from the year 2015. That is a sequel to actually a film that I really, really like, and actually made my top. It was actually my number three pick of the year two years ago in 2013 yeah and that is a film called all hallows eve 2 oh boy i didn't even know this film was coming out to be completely honest until i think brandon posted in the facebook page that he watched it and he gave it like a six out of ten i was like what the fuck is this guy talking about when i was watching it and then dave c said he gave it a six out of ten also and once again i was thinking what the fuck is this guy talking about so all hallows eve <laughs> I can't believe how much we've name dropped on this show tonight. So fucking makes you laugh. All Hallows Eve two. Now this time, 
what was good about All Hallows Eve, the first one, we had three stories. They were all, you know, 25 minutes each. They were good. They were original. The second story in the first one was eh. But we had that really awesome last story with Art the Clown, and it's fucking awesome. This time they think it's a good idea to fit in fucking nine shorts in 93 minutes. New trend. What the fuck are these people doing? Why? Why can't you just follow a fucking good idea with having just three stories? Why the fuck do you have to have nine stories all directed by different people? It fucking boggles my mind because half the time you're going to have inconsistencies and crap. And most of the shorts in this film are crap. The wraparound is crap. The first segment, which we have this interesting – I think the first segment is definitely one of the most – um, interesting segments of the film. We have this babysitter and this and this little boy. They're covering this pumpkin, and they eat the seeds in the pumpkin, and the pumpkin kills them basically from the inside out with the seeds and some really interesting effects and things like that. The story's interesting. The second story, crap. Third story, crap. Fourth story, crap. Fifth story is like this girl in an elevator, and there's a twist. It's actually pretty good. That's probably the highlight of the film. Six shorts, crap. Seven shorts, crap. The eight shorts crap. The nine short, it's interesting. It was a YouTube video, like the first film with Art the Clown started out as a YouTube video. It's interesting, but it's not really that original now that film's like unfriended and the den has come out, so it's not really original and it's not good. And the wraparound segment, it's it's crap. Absolute crap. It's just girl finds a VHS tape on her front doorsteps during Halloween and she puts it in and all these shorts start to play and the funny thing is they're supposed to be on VHS but they're fucking look like HD on the TV and I'm going what the fuck is this isn't this supposed to be a VHS tape why the hell is this looking like HD what did they fucking like insert a digital copy inside the VHS something I mean That just totally fucking made me laugh. You know what? You just set the world record for using the word crap. Oh, because it's times like, in one fucking review. Because I, it's like I don't get why what Brandon and Dave was talking about with this one. Like, like there's a short in this film with like a little kid, and he's a think that there's a monster under his bed, and I feel like I'm fucking watching a Are You Afraid of a Dark short that's in nine minutes. That's a crappy okay. Are You Afraid of a Dark short. But okay, it's like, so, why is this in this movie? It doesn't make any sense. It's like a fucking PG horror film. Well, does it – okay, so this one – I don't know if I missed it, but did it have like a wraparound story to it? It's crap. This girl <laughs> – this woman finds a VHS tape on the front door of the front steps. Oh, okay. Okay. So, okay. She puts okay, it in. So and, all the shorts then? All the shorts, do they have that Halloween feel to it? Nah. Only the first one and the second one. So that's like a big fucking problem then. Yeah. You know, it's supposed to be all on Halloween and stuff, right? And it doesn't feel like Halloween? Wait, wait, there's three. There's three stories that take place. Three out of three out of nine. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's a that's a huge problem. And like Because the, at, le- at least with Tales of Halloween, the JP can probably still admit, even though he doesn't like as much as I did, at least Tales of ha- Tales from Halloween had, you know, a consistent Halloween feel to it. But not even that. It says, but the the synopsis. But the true danger is the pumpkin face killer that is using the tape to find his next villain. The pumpkin face killer isn't even in the fucking movie for longer than two seconds. Why the <laughs> fuck is he on the cover of your film? Pumpkin face killer. But he's if he's Jesus only Christ. in the fucking movie for about Melissa eight McCarthy's seconds. in this movie too. Oh my 
God, it Fuck. makes me so mad because I fucking love the first <laughs> film so much. And then this comes out and I'm watching. And it's like, okay, the first segment has really, really good effects. I have to give it that, that it has really solid effects. And then it just goes. See, I'm like, I'm like really not looking forward to seeing this now because to be honest, like you like the first one way more than I did. I only liked the third segment really in the, in the first one. Was that the segment that actually was uh, just a short film? On that was like YouTube. I thought the third segment was really good. Like you said, the first one was okay. The second one in the in the first one is is pretty much crap. Um, but overall, I was you know I was a little underwhelmed by it. But yeah, this one just sounds. It I, seems I, you like know, image was like hmm, we I think go with the first film. That's just it, fucking. It just sounds like the biggest problem is it doesn't have that whole Halloween feel to it. That's crazy. Not even that. And fucking seven out of the nine shorts are bad. <laughs> It's fucked up. Man. It's like just take the idea having three shorts, and if one's bad, then okay, a quarter of your film or a third of your film's gonna suck. But at least you're not cramming fucking nine stories into a ninety-minute film. You, you know what? We're seeing that more and more, Jeremy. And I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the long-format anthology, the one where you have multiple, uh, like a million directors with a million different shorts. Like I don't like it. I didn't like it in Tales of Halloween. I don't like it in ABCs of Death. I like the concept of ABCs of Death, but I, I just I feel like that like okay here I'll, the, I'll start I'll start. You know what it is though? It's because these type of anthology films that have so many shorts, even if they are semi good to good, they're still forgettable because there's so fucking many. Or like you know ABCs of Death. Like who can fucking remember what the hell Q was in ABCs of Death too? I can't. Quack. I fucking Quack was can't good. remember for the hell. Oh, I didn't I see know. two. I didn't see two. All right, I here we I... go. So I'm going to go down the the director's list here. So one director was the production secretary for Cowboys and Aliens. Oh, yeah. A PA for Cowboys and Aliens made a film. Let's give them a round of applause. Fucking assholes. <laughs> Andreas, and Andreas Borgie. Let's see what film she's made. Uh, short, short, short. Yep, doesn't seem like anything good. Yep, let's give her a short because why not? Uh, this guy, he had made mm, all shorts. Nothing. Now he's actually at the point of not even saying the names anymore. He's like, well, <laughs> this guy. Oh, this oh wait, 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 wait. We may have something interesting here. Let me see. Ooh, the cinematographer of Jack Frost made a short. Ooh. Oh no! Wait, wait, wait! He was a gaffer. Oh. Well, th- that movie was beautiful, though. Yeah, but he you was know. a fucking electrician. <laughs> the electrician, the electrician for Jack Frost directed a fucking short. Why? 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 Hey, why? man, it's it's you know the, it's filmmaking, you know, those are, man. Those are just labels. Those are just labels. You know, man. Who knows? They could be decent filmmakers. It just didn't work out. Decent <laughs> filmmakers for the first fucking time. Whatever. Ooh, ooh, a director who made Airplane versus Volcano. Oh. I don't even know how that's a competitive fight. <laughs> yeah, it really isn't. Yeah. But also, he, he, Jack Frost, man, that's some good credits right there. Fuck. Oh, and the director of Mischief Night from 2013. Which one? The one with the guy on the cover. Which one? Is that the Halloween? <laughs> is that the Halloween one? I can't yeah. remember which one's which. That movie's good. Yeah. Oh wow! Somebody who did something good. Let's see what. Let's see what short this guy did. One sec. Because again, you know, every year there's always multiple films with the same name. Oh, he did the wraparound segment. Well, sorry, it's shit. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) Jesus. 
I thought it was trash. Like I said, I don't know what the fuck Brandon and Dave Z were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> there's one, there's the third short of the film. You could obviously tell that it's shot on a sound stage, and it's just laughable that you could you could see. It doesn't even look like they're outside, like they're on a fucking sound stage. And oh my god, the production value on some of the shorts are really, really low. Like I said, just don't watch it, please. I'm going to give it a 3 out of 10. 3 out of 10. God damn. I love, I love bashing films that are bad. Like, this one's just bad. Don't watch it. You should just start making your videos, like, an hour long and put rant in the title and name your n- name yourself, like, Donatello. Nah, I don't want to be that. I, just leave it to the nostalgia critic. He does a good job. And that's, that's, good with, that's good with me. I'll leave that job to somebody else. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't watch All Hallows Eve 2. And don't it's watch that, it sounds Contracted like... 2, which Contracted 2, I'm not going to rip a new asshole like this film because it, it was okay, but yeah, this one sucks. Huh. All right. Interesting. So, I guess I'm next. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah, I hope my uh, people <laughs> I was looking forward to that shit, man. don't listen to this episode. <laughs> well, I mean, you were polite. You kept saying the word crap. Uh-huh. Yeah. At least I wouldn't get censored if this was actually on fucking. I mean, everything I say is fuck because I have no vocabulary. So no, it's not even that. It's like, why the hell are they hiring all these people who are like the gaffers on Jack Frost? What the fuck does he know about filmmaking? Well, because it's quite obvious why. Because this movie had a budget of seventeen dollars, <laughs> <laughs> so they had to disperse it somehow. Like, like I said, I'm happy Image didn't send me this one to review because I don't think I would be getting any more of their movies anytime soon. Do you get Image? Uh. That happened well, to me once. I time. did before you Jewed me out and fucking stole the email. <laughs> See, it's funny that he's a Jew and he can say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I know what it's like to, you know, do a review for a company and then have the PR guy come at you and go, what the fuck, dude? That was rude. The movie's crap. Oh, yeah, I've been just being jumping fucking all my... honest. I'm sorry for being fucking honest, but you know what? If you don't like my honesty, go fuck yourself. Not Mr. Tony of the Dead. Ooh. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, man. The name dropping in this episode. Woo. But yeah, man, I was really surprised when he, this guy PR'd me and he's like, dude, he's like, you can't, that, that's just not cool. I was like, what do you mean? You told me to fucking review the film, so I did. People already hate me already, so whatever. I don't Fuck, know. whatever, man. Fucking people are so. Yeah, but I just Sensitive, dump all man. my uh, negative reviews on body bags because nobody sees them anyway. <laughs> I just yeah man nobody watches body bags it's kind uh, of funny like, there's like 700 subscribers and we get like fucking if we get 50 views on a video it's I think like, I'm fuck. the least viewed person <laughs> I probably am because you you're like yep I'm gonna review this movie I reviewed movies later. with my crappy webcam at like in, uh, 20 minutes before I need to go to sleep and uh, I never comment on them yeah but my turn Breeders, 1986, courtesy of Olive Films. I watched Breeders. this one just before the show, and I was curious to see if the that's some good preparation right there. But moods, I know that you have because you mentioned it earlier in the show. Yes, I this one seen. opens up with a woman walking down the New York street when an old guy sort of attacks her, turns into like just gore, like mutation. And uh, they uh, find her and take her to the hospital, and she was raped. And they found some, like, black sludge in her. No semen, though. 
and uh, they, they're wondering what the hell's going on. And then it cuts to another girl, and she's at a photo shoot. The photographer leaves. She decides to uh, strip naked, turn on some music in the studio, and uh, do some naked yoga or something. And then <laughs> she gets a, she gets attacked by a the photographer who comes back and starts morphing into gore. And she's all naked and shit, and she's like, oh, my God. And then we follow another girl who gets naked and gets attacked, and then another girl who gets naked and gets attacked. And it turns out that there's some, like, aliens that are breeding with humans, and that is your story. Now, I I know that it sounds terrible. Yeah, and for the most rad. part, it it is, like, a bad movie. It is a bad movie. But moods is absolutely right on the cheesiness like the acting is is borderline terrible in certain scenes it, it's it's i actually felt bad towards the end of the film where you have uh the all the girls in a uh all the girls who are raped are in like a tub of goo and they're like just waving their hands and the scene's pacing is so awful that they're just doing it like so long and i'm like i i stared at one of their faces and i felt so bad because i was like Oh man, she doesn't even know. She doesn't even know how bad this looks. But there's some decent gore in it. There's literally like boobs every, you know, 10 minutes at least. Uh like bush gore slime. Well, that's always a plus. Uh, <laughs> rub- rubber suit man monsters, like obvious rubber suit guys in rubber suits. But honestly, dude, I actually I actually enjoyed it's this kind of one ironic, quite like a rubber bit. suits for a film about breeding. Uh, yeah, no, that's not funny. Rubber yeah. suits, yeah. Huh? You're striking out of that one. Oh, fuck off! <laughs> like the gourd up alien things when they're morphing from humans are actually really good. Like the gourd looks great, but when they're actually full like alien, it's awful because it's just like a guy in a suit, and you're like. As soon as you see it, you're like, yep, that's a fucking guy in a suit. Fucking guy in a suit. Fucking guy in a suit. And <laughs> it's, like, so obvious. Oh, it's just like a guy jerking off. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought of that, actually. I thought a guy's jerking off when I was watching this. Kyle? Yeah. Oh, the... Uh, so, <laughs> you know, but I, for, like, the cheesy entertainment value of boobs, slime, gore, cheesiness galore i mean honestly like i had fun watching it i really really truly did and a lot of the boobs are not like a like plus boobs they're just the kind of average boobs but they're boobs nonetheless so you can't complain too much but since jp doesn't factor in entertainment value into his reviews one and a half out of ten that is not true that is not true (laughs) you did say that once i never said i don't factor Entertainment yes, value. I said I don't quote. heavily lean on entertainment value because it's it's more subjective than bad lighting. Exceptions. <laughs> I'm marking the, I'm marking this moment right now. Breeders review episode yeah. fifty nine. Yep. Yep. Contradictory <laughs> statements right here. Yep. Contradictory. Yeah, there we go. Make sure you spell contradict, D-I-C-K. Oh, I capitalized that part. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah, but no, Moods is correct. I I don't factor entertainment value heavily in my reviews. But I do factor it in. I factor everything in. I just don't lean on it like they do because I don't think you should. No, I I mean, I don't necessarily – this is a good knowledge. 
topic right here. Yeah. So we, we should get we'll into it, it, but we'll do it next time. I, I, yeah, I don't. Okay. We'll save it. We'll okay. save it. Write it um, down. I, I, but there are some positive things too. Like I like the atmosphere. Like it has that chud basket case, case atmosphere. If you like things like chud and basket case, you might like this. It's not as good as either of those, but it is along the lines. It's set in New York. There's this grimy ass bag lady down in like tunnels. There's like these tunnel type scenes where everything's dirty and stuff. I like that stuff. It, it's good. It, it, it has a grime atmosphere, which I like. And uh, honestly, I, I didn't hate the music. And like I said, the gore, the gore is good. The gore is the gore is good. The <laughs> the suits are bad, but the gore is good. And there's a lot of boobs, and boobs can be entertaining, but they they're also just awesome. So uh, I'm gonna come in at a six on this one. It's a very <sighs> I'm giving it a lot of points that I probably shouldn't, but I, I, I'm giving it a six out of ten. Hmm. It's a passer. It's a yeah, passer. Yeah, I liked it, dude. I, I I did like it. I thought it had enough there for a watch. I, I really do. I, I think that people could enjoy this one. Just can't expect too much out of it. But what I really said, need to watch this one again, man. I think you know, on rewatch you'll actually like it. I think I think yeah. you will because it, it's it's paced in terms of like something happening. Like there's there's so many women attack rapes. Like that, that it's there's always something <laughs> happening. <laughs> It's like, you know, Mucha like this, it has like rape in it and shit. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, but it's alien rape, so it's funny. Oh, it's going back to this whole conversation that we had, I think it was last show. Yeah, you know, we had this like half an hour conversation. That was a good conversation. Um, yeah, six out of a ten. Yeah, I got to check this out again, man. Because, you know, I'll just watch a DVD because I'm pretty sure I'm not getting the Blu-ray. So, um. But yeah, you know, first up here for uh, what I watched this week is a film from 2015. And don't get this, uh, you know, mixed up with the film called The Final Girls. This one right here is called Final Girl. And I have absolutely no idea. I just had some downtime last night. So I actually. The one with Abigail Bredesen or is that another one? You know, this is the one with Abigail Bredesen. All right. Yeah. Uh, this is a film from the foreign land of Canada, all filmed in Vancouver, actually. Didn't even know it until I was about 20 minutes in, and I was like, those woods look familiar. <laughs> and sure as shit, it was actually filmed in Vancouver. It's very odd. I didn't actually – I just wanted to know where it was filmed. But um, basically this film is about a – you know, it, it starts out very odd. If It starts out very odd. It's, it's this guy um, – you know, interviewing a, I think it's, she's about a 10 year old girl at the time. And he's basically kind of going through the motions. He's asking her a bunch of questions and stuff. Then it jumps to about 12 years later where he is basically kind of hired her on through these earlier interviews and trained her to become a killer. And the reason why he's done this is because his wife was murdered by these four assholes that have a game. And what these assholes do is that they abduct blonde-haired women and – well, they they don't really abduct them. They actually take them out willingly. Anyways, what they do is they take them out to the woods and they, they fuck with them and then they hunt them. They give them a head start and they go and hunt them and they kill them. Anyways, this guy's wife was killed by these four people. So he hired on assassin, trained her to kill and of course he puts her into the line of fire. She gets into the situation and then you have your movie. Okay, so 
sounds fucking awesome, doesn't it? No. No, it doesn't. It's like a really shit version of Gunwoman. My God, I was watching this movie going, yeah, this storyline seems very, very similar. And Gunwoman was fucking awesome. Yeah, this movie was shitty, man. The, the biggest problems with this movie for me was that, okay, it was the way it started. It's, it, it feels like it just starts right into it. You know, there's no, there's no development of anything. You know, with where this girl came from, for one thing, she's in this room. Like it, it almost feels like an interrogation room. It's literally what it feels like. So I'm assuming that she was orphaned at one time or whatever, and then he just kind of takes her under his wing because she's been orphaned. So you know, so there, that's kind of unexplained. Now the into the four kill uh, the four assholes. Um, they're all these rich preppy fucks that dress in suits when they kill and stuff. And there's not a lot of character development with, with them. It's just that's what you're introduced to. They're obviously rich dickheads that just do whatever the fuck they want to do, like hunting blonde-haired women and killing them. And they brag about it. They're dicks. So, you know, there's not really a whole lot. There's no likable characters in this entire movie. It, it's really shitty, man, because you don't get to know even the main character uh, which is played by Abigail Breslin or whatever. And even the guy, Wes Bentley, the, the, the guy that hires her on, you don't really get to know a lot about him either. All you know is that he lost his wife and there's no emotion there. All it is is just this girl's going after these guys because he hired her on. So she doesn't even have a real connection to him or his wife or anything. And it just feels distant. The whole movie feels fucking distant. You know, to the actual specs of the film, it is shot very well. I will give him that. It's shot all at nighttime in the woods. The lighting is fantastic. And, you know, and that's about it. That's really about it. The music's not the greatest. Um, the kills are not that great. What she does to them, which I won't give away unless you want to check this out after this review. Uh, you know, I, I felt like it was kind of a cop out and it felt too easy for the writing of the film to allow that to happen. It, it just felt like it kind of downplayed her training a little bit. That's all I'll say on that one. Um, you know, this one just let me kind of go on. Yeah, it was terrible. You know, I just I was like, maybe, maybe because a little bit of me was comparing this to Gunwoman, where, you know, a guy takes a girl, trains her to be an assassin, blah, blah, blah. That one was done well. This one just felt hollow. It felt fucking, it, it felt shallow at times. And it's just, it, it had no emotion. You, you weren't connected to anything in the film. And it's a shame because an idea like this, it's a very simple premise, but it can be executed properly, you know, for lack of a better word. But this one right here, like I said, it is shot very well. I will give him that. And it's also acted pretty decent too. I will say, even though, pretty much all the characters in the film you don't really care for it's actually acted pretty well um but that's really about it man really about it i you know i hadn't really heard much about this one i only picked it up because it was from 2015 i was like hey it might be a gem it's not a gem fuck this canadian film basically don't see it uh three and a half out of ten Ooh, not good not good all Damn. Right. So apparently this is the night of bashing films. Oh yeah, just wait till my segment. Hey, I like mine. <laughs> All right, ready? Right. Segment time. Let's go. All right. But, oh, I I will add though, Abigail. She is she's pretty cute. So that's kind of a plus. Fucking right. okay. cute is plus. Okay, so this is a brand new segment. I'm calling this movie stinks more than JP's Mexican asshole. So it is a avoid of the week. No, it is this movie smells more than JP's Mexican asshole. Okay. 
It's my new segment. It is an avoid of the week. No, it is this movie stinks more than JP's Mexican asshole. You like to do that. You take things that already exist and try to make them your own. Uh Uh-huh, like Horror 101 plus 1 plus 1 plus 2. It's coming up next week. (laughs) All right. This movie is called... I did a review. We just talked about it, but I want to talk about it on here just to talk about my my problems that I think the film has and listen to your moods' opinion because I know we've seen this film. It's called Nightmare Weekend from the year 1985, released by Finnegar Syndrome on their exploitation TV line. Now, um, this movie has an interesting history um i know that it really hasn't had a good release according to what moods you have what if you told me correct yeah it's got one of, it, it it's one of the films that are in um you know one of those tin trauma box sets whatever okay yeah it, it's like a vhs transfer so okay so once again vinegar syndrome picking up these really really horrendously terrible pieces of shit movies and cleaning them up so this film, French production, came over here to the United States in 1984 in Florida. Had a script written in French, translated to English. Uh, there was some pretty bad translation issues between the French and English scripts, and you could obviously see that in the film. So uh, film started shooting, and the film basically follows this scientist comes up with this idea of creating these silver balls that are similar to phantasm i didn't say this in my review but i should have the way that the balls are in this movie are silver they're around they're very similar to phantasm it's like pretty much ripping off phantasm yeah exactly yeah yeah i should have said in my review so he creates this metal ball that when people who are mentally deranged ingests it it changes their behavior so we get his sidekick mad sidekick scientist friend who's a lady and she decides to sabotage um his plan by using these silver balls that changes people's emotions for bad and she sets up this whole plan about how she's going to sell this experiment on the black market to this to this businessman so she gets these three teenagers to go to this hotel one weekend thinking they're going to get a weekend away but instead they're going to get um this treatment you know be the experiment of this silver ball and it's just a mess of a story between the film there's a whole bunch of unnecessary sex scenes that are are really really pointless and really add nothing to the narrative don't get me wrong i'm all up for some boobs and some and some bush but when it's every like five minutes when they're on a man yeah every five minutes when someone's getting fucked and there's boobs it's like okay i get it people are having sex all the time where is the blood that i paid for well in this sense got sent to me where's the blood that i fucking want to see why are these people having sex you you kind of slipped that in there (laughs) what That that was good Oh, that was sent to me. Well, I don't want to fucking say that I bought it because that's not true. I want to be oh, honest. No, fuck, I'm just fucking with you, man. I want to be honest to the 22 shots peeps out there. Yo, 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 as JP likes to say. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Fuck, I oh, lost I, my train of oh, thought. Oh, I now. fucked your. I fucked it right up there, didn't I? No, that's all right. So lots of sex. No, no gore until the last five minutes of the film. Then we get to these last five minutes of the climax. I talked about in my review that it starts to pick up a little bit. There's some more guts, some more blood. 
but between that and the opening shot, there is no blood and no guts throughout the entire film. There's one other kill um, in the film besides the ending, so it's really not that much of a horror film. It's basically just a really badly dubbed in the same language French production that has a lot of sex and nudity, and it's just really not a good film. It's actually a terrible film. So, um, you know, just the special features alone in this Vinegar Syndrome set, I guess, kind of dictates a purchase. It's got a new segment on here with the makeup artist, which is pointless because there's really no effects in this movie. But um, there's a interview with him, and then there's an interview, or yeah, an interview with, I think it's the director... And then there is a feature where you see... Well, one other thing I forgot to mention about this release is it's the first time the movie's been uncut or released here in the States uncut, I think, at least. So um, there's a feature on here that shows the difference between the R-rated version and this uncut version, which is basically just more muff and more boobs um, because there's no blood to take out. So what's the point? So they just... God, now I got to get this just because of the more muff? More muff and more boobs. Like... Have you seen this movie, Moods? Yeah. <laughs> the scene in the bar when they're fucking on the pinball machine, um, that scene's a lot longer and there's more muff and stuff huh. that wasn't in the R-rated version. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, there's some trailers and, and subtitles, which I love how subtitles is in English. It should just say English JP subtitles. Yeah, this, Olive doesn't fucking put subtitles on their discs. It drives me insane. Oh, man. Now they're really Lazy. not going to send us anything. L-A-Z-Y. Lazy. So overall, the addition of this film is really nice. Nightmare Weekend did a good job. No, fucking A. Vinegar Syndrome did a really good job cleaning it up. Um, it's a DVD, Blu-ray combo pack, reversible cover art, really good transfer. Like I said, the sounds really shitty because it's dubbed in English by different actors. And it's like, why the fuck did they do this? It's, it's pointless, but... Oh, I know why, because they didn't have a fucking sound guy who knew what he was doing. But anyway, Nightmare Weekend, <coughs> give this film a 3 out of 10, and that is my This Movie Stinks More Than J.P.'s Mexican Asshole. It's an avoid of the week. <laughs> <laughs> see, I see the humor in it. It's funny. You know, it probably smells like burritos. Yeah, or and, and other stereotypical foods like refried beans. And, oh no, no, it smells like lasagna because you and, know sex. Yeah, shit. Three. <laughs> so we have a three and a half out of ten, and we have a three out of ten. Two threes. On oh, two threes and a three and a half. Holy fuck, we're just shitting on films tonight. Yeah, yeah, you guys are. So uh, my turn. My segment yep. this week, I'm doing a Horror 101. This is a segment in which I review a documentary, sometimes about a film, sometimes about something else. And this time it's about something else. So this one is called The Nightmare from 2015. This one has got a lot of interesting reviews. I feel like a lot of people who see it kind of don't get it or they're just put off by the way that it's done. So it follows eight people who suffer from sleep paralysis, which is a form of, I guess, awakeness, but you're paralyzed while you're not really sleeping. You're awake and you can't move and you hear things and you see things and you hallucinate. And 
there's scary shit that happens to you and it's it's a widely debated uh topic whether it's scientific or or not and there's different evidence that point to it being a real thing and evidence that points to it not being a real thing it being in someone's head and this doesn't really go into that which i was a little disappointed because i thought if they had like a an actual expert or a couple experts on there to you know pepper into this story would have been pretty cool but the way that this is done is they interview people and then as they're telling the story it's reenacted with actors so it's kind of your unsolved mysteries approach and i haven't really seen that done because it at its core this is a horror movie like it's it's a scary movie but it's also part documentary and i thought it was a really nifty way to kind of tell the story of sleep paralysis and really all it is 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 you know you're hearing each person's experience with sleep paralysis and some of them are really terrifying if you can put yourself into that position uh, me not being somebody who suffers from it, I, I, I can only imagine. But I f- think that the people who really are saying that this is one of the scariest movies, because people are saying that, are people who have some form of sleep paralysis or think they have some for- form of sleep paralysis. Because throughout my entire like high school life, I had one friend who constantly told me about his sleep paralysis. And this was before like it was a hot topic. This was, he was reading books on it and shit. And, and he was telling me like, you know, I, I can't move. I wake up and I, I can't move. I, I try, I pull, I pull, I can't move. And I see, you know, demons or, or whatever, you know, it could be bullshit. Could be not. Hey, geez, asshole. I try, I try <laughs> that would be a scary sight, huh? Uh, so since there's Italian and Jewish both in it. he just sees like a big bowl of salsa <laughs> <laughs> the salsa's attacking me there's too much chunks in the salsa no <laughs> I mean honestly some of these stories are pretty, pretty crazy like one dude uh, would have a reoccurring nightmare it's not really a nightmare because you're awake it, it's not it's different than a nightmare it's you're awake and you can't move. You're paralyzed. And he would have this old man constantly screaming at him, do not jack off on your mother's sheets. And that, like, I swear, that sounds crazy. And it even sounds more crazy when this guy tells the story. But it, it's frightening. It's, it's like, what the fuck? Where do you come up with that at? And then there's also uh, somebody who has their first memory of sleep paralysis when they were in the crib as a baby and there were two like shadow men over him. And honestly, I I feel like if they were just telling these stories, they could set up something interesting in your mind. But it it really is effective how they recreated and reenacted these stories that you couldn't really show, right? I mean, it's, it's obviously a case of it's more scary in your head, but... I was really surprised at how effective they were able to reenact these scenes that you would think you wouldn't be able to reenact. So I, I really like that about it. I, overall, I dug this documentary. I do feel like it dragged a little bit at times because some of the stories were just not that interesting or ran on too long. Uh, I, like I said, spicing it up with a expert on the subject would have been golden because then you would have had like the whole hoax thing on it or the whole you know is this real and to debate that would have been cool but at its core this is a horror movie hybrid documentary it's an interesting idea i haven't seen it done before that i could really think of and i really give him props for doing that this is also the same guy who directed 
the uh, Room Two Three Seven, the Shining documentary. The what? Not gonna watch it. <laughs> that movie definitely might actually get into this movie stinks more than JP's Mexican ass. Why? This doesn't sound interesting to you? I've heard okay things about it. Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, it's it's a cool documentary. I liked it. Uh, oddly enough, Brandon didn't really care for it. Well, I figures he fucking went all hollows Eve too. <laughs> I think Brandon's confusing. <laughs> He is. But, Modes, do you remember earlier in the show when you said, I couldn't remember what uh, Q was for in ABC's A Death 2? <laughs> remember when you yeah. said that? Well, this and guy directed Q from ABC's A Death 2. Shut and the it fuck is Questionnaire up. from ABC's A Death 2. Fuck, is that not weird and random? Yep. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Wow. That is weird that's how we do that, it here on the 22 shots really podcast fucking weird, man. we do things yeah, big. Oh, this is the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast get the name right jp god but, you always going around and taking all can just call it the 22 shots man so it's all good it's I'm all just fucking good it's all right. but overall we'll six more episodes to review pretty solid film i enjoyed it seven out of ten wow interesting as soon as you said it was directed by the same guy that did Room 237, I was like, okay, that's that's interesting. I got to see this. I got to see this Room 237. Oh, it's entertaining as shit, man, because like it some sucks. of these <laughs> – No, man. Some of the – I mean if you're, if, you're, if you're looking too hard into it and just taking what they're saying – too serious yeah it can be probably a little too much but i I don't think that's the point of the film though from what i hear it's not but that's the thing you you kind of take these outrageous um ideas that these people have about the film (laughs) with it and it's entertaining man it's It's like any conspiracy theory documentary it really is it's amazing the thought that went into some of these theories about the shining like it really is and then that's what kind of intrigues me and kind of keeps me going with, when you're watching the film because it's like what am i going to hear next you know and it it's one of those type deals i actually kind of enjoyed it you know to be honest but i know jeremy didn't but and I'm like, it, is, it is what it is i it was enjoyable i was just like because i'm not taking it serious i'm going okay i just want to hear something else but man honestly some of the theories just blew my mind i was like fuck that's crazy but yeah. All right. So, yeah, I don't really have a segment this week, so it's going to be pick of the week, I guess. And I'm only doing this one because – or it, it kind of becomes my pick of the week through default because I just want to review something I haven't done on the 31 days and and hence Final Girl. Yeah, I didn't review this movie. I just randomly watched this throughout the week. So, Is this it one pick of the week worthy? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, I'm going to give it a pretty – you know – I don't know, I guess. Uh, um, I'm feeling confident. Let the guy fucking talk, <laughs> damn it. Says um, you. Says you. Well, I mean, it depends what type of week it is. I mean, if I had another film like Final Girl, this is definitely the pick of the week, you know, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so this one's from 2014, and it's called Creep. Uh, I, I just checked this one out on Netflix. I was, you know, at home, and I obviously don't have a copy of it, so I checked it out on Netflix, and... Because I'd heard pretty good things about it, and I was intrigued because I kind of like the idea of it. It's basically about a guy that uh, answers a Craigslist co- uh, ad, and you know, basically the job is is to show up at this guy's house with a video camera, 
and with eight hours of his time. And all he has to do is just film this guy talking into the camera because he wants to make kind of like a farewell letter or video to his unborn son because he's just found out that, you know, he is terminally ill. He's dying and he doesn't really have and, and he's going to die before his son is born. So he wants his son to, you know, see him. So he wants to, you know, record some goodbye things and, you know, just weirdness and things. So this guy shows up there, starts videotaping, and of course things aren't exactly what they seem to be, you know. And I'll just leave it at that because the film is pretty short, you know. It, it's it runs around eighty minutes, I believe, and uh, it's one of those type of films. It's it's obviously found footage, you know. Um, it's got like two guys in the film, you know. It's got the uh, the guy Joseph, which is the I guess the uh, antagonist in this film. And then you got Aaron, who is the guy that shows up with the camera. He's the photographer. And he's actually the director of the film, too, which is kind of interesting. So this is like that type of low-budget type film. Um, but I think they did a pretty good job with this story because it it went in a place where I wasn't quite expecting it to go. I was expecting it to kind of stay where it was, but it doesn't, you know. Um, it actually shifts settings and then kind of you know spreads out from there. Um, so that was a little surprising to me because I was expecting it to be kind of like one of those one setting films and just have like a very generic kind of, you know, okay, well, this guy's here, this guy's going to fuck him up. And then, you know, that's what's going to happen kind of thing. It's not really what happens. And, you know, what really sells this film is the, you know, the Joseph in the film, the guy that's being filmed, you know, telling his story to his kids and stuff, some born children. Uh, this guy's creepy as fuck, man. I, I will totally admit, man, he does a great job of just being weird and creepy fucking so odd in the things that he wants to do and stuff um you know these type of films aren't for everybody you know it's found footage but it's not like that real crazy shaking camera found footage because this is supposed to be like a professional thing he's showing up with a camera and he's filming you know it's just a lot of kind of like one-on-one -on -one conversations and stuff that really do work there are some scenes where they're outside and they're they're going through the woods and stuff like that and that are relevant to you know the third act in the film. Um, yeah, this is one that's really kind of hard to talk about. There's not really a lot to say about it. Cause like I said, there's two characters and I think they did a both. They did, they both did a great job in the film and I really liked the direction of it. I, I kind of like how it went. It was creepy. It was, it was unexpected a little bit and uh, it was just kind of a downbeat, you know, fun, interestingly odd found footage film that kind of came out of nowhere for me because like I always say, found footage films are hit and miss. You never know what you're going to get with them. And this is a perfect example of a film that I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm not going to say that's the reason why, because I didn't know anything about it. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I really like the premise. It's simple, but it worked. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. It's pretty effective for what it is. And I can see people not really digging it, maybe. Um but I think the third act is it's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. I really enjoyed it. So check out Creep. Uh, it says 2014. It came out in the U.S. in 2015. So consider a 2015 film. Not the most, uh, you know, amazing title for a film. I think I've seen about 41 films with the title Creep oh, before. Not 97? Not 97, 41 this time. And yeah, Creep. But check it out because it is kind of creepy. So Would you give it a 7 out of 10? Seven out of ten. Cool. 
So no amazing films this week, but no, we had some solid and some not so solid. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, it was yeah, you know, it is what it is. Right? We had solid and we had runny. Yeah, I guess films that smell like your asshole. Solid and runny. runny so. Oh, you talking about yeah. that avoided week you did? Oh fuck you. <laughs> You know, if I had reviewed, you know, some of the films that I did on the 31 series, you know, I, I think I had a little more solid oh, ones. Yeah, I forgot there. to I forgot to mention quickly in my All Hallows Eve 2 review, there's actually some shots in the wraparound story that would actually follow the shankle ankle criteria. I want to throw that out there. <laughs> really? And it's really, really funny because I actually wrote that down that I wanted to say that. You but. know when you say shankle angle, you say ankle? Uh-huh. Ankle. Uh-huh. I know ankle. I say it. That's part of the funny joke. Uh... You say so. <laughs> Sounds so so confused. That's not funny, man. That's not funny. You know what? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ah, shit. All right. Speaking of that, where's that kid then? You know, I think Shankle has been on the podcast more than you, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> not funny, but okay. Oh shit. So, uh. Featured review, boys. Featured reviews with a S, with a Z, you know motherfucker. Alrighty, so getting into the featured reviews of the week, <laughs> and for this week, we are going to be talking about season one of Tales from the Crypt. Shall yes, we, yeah. the infamous HBO series that was fucking amazing. Ran for seven uh, seven series, seven seasons, and yeah. Awesome stuff. I do want to give a disclaimer here. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give a disclaimer right off the top here. Um, You know, when when we're doing, you know, reviews like this, because they are short episodes or like 30 minutes a piece or 28 minutes a piece or whatever, um, we get into spoiler territory. So these episodes may be spoiled. They may not be spoiled. But this is an alert, (laughs) you know, that they might be spoiled because they're hard to talk about without spoiling. So, yes. Absolutely. Uh, Yes, Tales from the Crypt season one, um, 1989. From 1989, yeah, um, the season that started it all. Very short. Very short, yeah. There was only six episodes in the Tales from the Crypt ep- or season, which yeah, is, which is kind of a standard now for pilot seasons. But back then, it really wasn't. I don't think. <coughs> hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it was only on for like June 10th, the 14th, the 21th, and the 28th. Was the int- hmm. So the first season was only like three weeks. Yeah, because it looks like the first three episodes aired in one day. Yeah. And, and it's weird crazy. to think episode two aired in June. Yeah. That is that is so crazy, actually. Yeah. It seems like that was like the tradition for every season. They would have three episodes start each season on the same day. You, you know, these uh, obviously are based off of the classic EC comics. Yeah. From what the fifties, I believe. Yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But oddly enough, a lot of them were not actually took from Tales from the Crypt. They, a lot of them came from Vault of Horror or suspense stories or whatever, yeah. which I've always found really interesting. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So, episode one is entitled "The Man Who Was Death," directed by Walter Hill. Walter Hill. Um, Walter Hill is actually an interesting director because this is pretty much the first horror related stuff he had done in his career. And he'd been directing for 
you know, 15 years prior. Made Supernova. <laughs> yeah, Supernova. Um, but no, th- this guy, he directed The Warriors. Yeah. You yeah, know, and he directed, fantastic. and he directed Southern Comfort. He directed 48 Hours. Yep. Brewster's Millions, which is, which is fun. Red Heat. So he directed a lot of, another 48 Hours. He directed a lot of films previously to doing these, you know, these horror uh, episodes. I, he did a few actually throughout the series, and then of course in '92, right after he did Trespass, which me and JP can you know fucking really... love me some Trespass, dude. Yeah, one so of my favorite non horror movies. Yeah, so he did he did some really interesting films, and then he just kind of did Tales from the Crypt. But I always thought his the filmography leading into this was interesting. So, um, but yeah, episode one, somebody want to throw down a synopsis on that one right there prison executioner is laid off from his job and begins administrating a is that how you say it, jp god dude you're doing fine all right administrating his own justice to acquitted murder suspects vigilante yeah. style man yeah <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> that's a yeah. shocker type of a feel to it yeah um I, I like I, I I love the whole idea. I love the whole play on the executioner that doesn't feel bad. He likes to kill. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that idea right there. Yeah, there's you know, even a line doesn't... of dialogue where he says, you know, they say yeah. that the electricity burns the brain and they don't feel a thing. I'd hate to think that was true. Exactly. That's yeah. that's great that you quoted that because I like this whole idea. He just shows no remorse. He's just. He's doing the job like how you should be doing the job, but he goes a little further. <laughs> yeah, I think the first real thing of note is just the style that this short was done in this episode, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. he talks to the camera. He has yeah. a lot of narration. Third wall. He's he's breaking the fourth wall. Fourth wall. Yeah, Jeremy. Fourth wall. Jeremy, he's going. You're to the film. Ten million dollars a fucking year, and then I'm correcting him. On fucking one thirty in the morning. Cut me a break. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. You know, he's class all day, man. I'm a big fan of the breaking the fourth. You know, for you know, for a narrative like this, you know, it's like it just. I don't know. I think it really does work. You know, I, I think it does in this story for sure. It yeah. does. In I mean, these, he's these, a likey because he's like a likable character. So it he's actually in Trespass. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, which is kind of funny, right? Yeah. Um, William Sadler. Yes, William Sadler. He, yeah. he, he has that southern accent. I don't know, like maybe Alabama or something. I, mm-hmm. I don't really know what state it would be. But, I, I mean, dude, like his, what makes this to me is his his dialogue. Just he, he goes into these like deep-rooted, like like meaningful speeches. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, wow, like this guy is – the shit like he goes into that thing where he's like you know junkies i i respect junkies because that they, they'll they'll do anything just to shoot a little death into their arm they, they want to get close close as they can to death and just touch it mm-hmm. a bit. Mm-hmm. and he's like all oh, the same junkies are shit <laughs> and it's just like yeah so basically what are. happens so basically what happens with his character is that he's this state executioner and they abolish the de- the death penalty in the in the in his state yeah so he eventually loses his job because, you know, he even asked for his old job back and they said, well, you know, your job has already been taken because you trained the guy to replace you. There's no job. So he's yeah. basically out on the street. And he asked for seniority. Like, he's like, doesn't seniority matter? Like, can't you guys just like, you know, put him somewhere else? And they're like, well, you're everybody in the, you know, 
Death Row kind of knows what you've been doing to all the friends, so I don't think it'd be a good <laughs> idea to keep you around. He's like, he's like, trust me, I could handle them. <laughs> just like, you know, he, he's he's in control. Like he's he's the master of his own destiny, and he really thinks everything through. You can think, you can see him like just think, and and when he's like at the bar with that line about. You know, bars were pretty much invented for people to talk about their problems and stuff. Like, I love that scene in the bar. It's fucking yeah, awesome. yeah, that's good. Yeah. So as Mudes was saying, he has to. So, good. Yeah. So so he he so he you know after he loses his job, he basically just turns into like a I don't know like a freelance killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he just kind of takes matters into his own hands. He even takes the time to go to court cases and. <laughs> You know, it's not as extreme as Dexter. You know, he doesn't look into all the facts because it's like a 28 minute episode. But he's like, this person got off. He's like, and I know that they're guilty. So I'm going to go and fucking kill him. So this is kind of like a prequel to Dexter in a way. You know, it's like, yeah, it's kind of interesting. But uh, I I like that whole idea, man. I like the whole, I don't know. I just, the whole premise is is good. It's fun. There are some things in in these type of, of episodes that I always find like odd. Like the fact that it is a little over the top. Like the guy, the one guy, the biker who's like gets off on a technicality and he like stands up and he's like, Oh fuck yeah. Or whatever, you know? <laughs> and, and it's like, dude, like you might want to like, like lower it down a little bit. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's purely entertaining. Yeah. Though, yeah. Right? yeah. And it's like, but, but then he like even grabs like he assaults the victim's family that he <laughs> like so oh, yeah. it's just like okay dude <laughs> I think you'd be back in jail already exactly you know the interesting thing about this this episode is that to me it kind of turns into like a almost like a slasher flick you know you got this guy running around the streets and he's taking out people one by one mm-hmm. and it's essentially a short slasher flick. You know, we know who the killer is. So it's not a mystery or anything. It's like, but he's just doing the fucking, he's doing the deed. What do you guys you think know? about the ending? Well, um, it ends very typically in how these end with, yeah. you know, somebody getting their just desserts. And typically mm-hmm. it happens in a similar way to where they was, whatever they was doing yeah. bad in the first place. And I, I mean, it, it's completely bookended. Like it's, it's a perfect bookend, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I thought the kills in here were pretty funny. You know? Yeah. See, see, I remember when I first watched this episode, I, I was like, this is Tales from the Crypt right here. Like, it, it, it was an episode that made a statement. Like, we're going to have, you know, this guy in, in a titty bar and there's going to be boobs everywhere. And this is HBO and we're going to be able to do stuff. And, boobs. you know, he, he's going to kill these people. And That's pretty much we're going to exactly break the fourth wall thinking. and we're going to, yeah. you know, there's no boundaries to what we're going to do here. And I love that. I love that that is the first episode. No, I love that too, man. I love that about this first episode, breaking the fourth wall, because it's, you know, it's that character telling you exactly what this, not only what this episode is about, but the what show. the whole entire show is about. Yeah. You know, it's a, we're going to do this and we're going to come at you raw. And this is what we're going to do. And I really like that. It just, like you said, it was a big statement. And I think it worked, man. Metal yeah. finger to society. And the, you know, uh, it, it's effective. It's effective, man. Yeah. It really it's a is. very well written episode in terms of dialogue, too. Like, like the dialogue is, is great all throughout the entire episode. Like, the dialogue is these, these interesting little tidbits on, on society. And it, I, I honestly think it almost is poetic. Like I love the dialogue in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
It's definitely a good first episode to start off on. I think, like we just said, it really sets the mood to what's to come Mm -hmm. later on down the road. Yeah, I mean, there's there there is some you know clever but obvious lines in the film or in the in the short. You know, it's like film. Yeah, I get you know in the short film. You know, earlier in the episode, they you know they talk about like how the electric chair is the voice of death. You know, and and just things like that, and like you know, the end of the episode when it's like de- death has a funny way of redemption, doesn't it? It, it also has interesting music. Like, it's almost like carnival themed. Mm. Yeah, it does. You know, that is weird. Yeah, and, and a lot of like real like odd like close upy like when the when they're dragging the guy down the hall and it's like a bobbling like type of thing. I don't. It, 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 I've always found that, and it's like a close up. It, I've always found those scenes to be like uncomfortable, uncomfortable because of how tight quarters they are. And if you watch it back, like they're in like a squeeze, they're squeezing through this little area, yeah. walking the guy down the line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I dig it though, man. I, I dig the whole feel of it. Yeah, you know, it awesome. Just, it just, ha- yeah, it's it's a really good episode. So ratings, <sighs> ratings I, I guess. I are we rating these? Oh no, we're just gonna give the order at the end. Yeah, we'll do we'll do a ranking at the end. I I, I don't really feel comfortable rating these shorts because I I feel like my, all my ratings would be the same. Yeah. Okay. Really? Huh. Mine aren't. <laughs> not not like the same, but in the same like, you know, couple points of just like yeah, like point fives and stuff. Okay. So all right. So. So and honestly, I don't feel like putting them on the website. <laughs> no, no, like I wasn't expecting you know that type of deal. We'll rate the season if you want the season as a whole, and then I'll put the season on the website. Okay. All right. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, episode two is um, called "And All Through the House," directed by Robert Semetkis. Semetkis. Um, so you're tired too, you asshole. I'm terrible at names, though. Uh, this is basically a remake of the uh, the short that's in the original Tales from the Crypt film. Yeah. Uh, it's basically the same thing. Basically the same thing. We all know who Robert Zemeckis is. Um, Which I, I've never seen the original. You've never seen the original before? No. Holy shit. Uh, of course, Robert directed... Shit, man. Just name some fucking used cars. Jeremy's favorite fucking comedy of all time. Yeah. Back to the Future. Back to the Future, Back to the future. Trilogy. The, the best trilogy Roger, ever made. Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Death Becomes or another Screen Factory release that's coming out. Yeah. The, the classic Forrest Gump. And, of um, course, this one was actually wrote by Fred Decker, who did Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad. That's right. That's right. And RoboCop 3. Yeah. <laughs> And Robo and RoboCop three. <laughs> oh my god, RoboCop three is bad. My professor made RoboCop the TV series. Nice. <laughs> so so what's this one about? A greedy woman makes the mistake of murdering her husband while an escaped mental patient dressed in a Santa Claus outfit is on the loose. Definitely the most recognizable episode. Yeah, this is a lot of people's favorite episode. Yeah, this one this one sticks out because it's a holiday themed one. Mm-hmm. You know, anything Christmas or holiday themed, I think always st- seems to stick out. I enjoy this episode, be- you know, for those reasons. I won't lie. You know, like I'm a really, really huge fan. Everyone knows of you know holiday related horror films and stuff. This one is good, but 
honestly, I really <laughs> enjoy the – I love the killer in this film. He's fucking insane. Dude. I just love the look of him. It's so fucking The fact that he, like, like, his teeth are missing and they're dirty. <laughs> it's like he's fucking Doesn't insane. Doesn't he just creep you out? It's like fucking awesome. I man. wish I got that Fright Rag shirt that – yeah, ahead of him. This, this, this is honestly an episode that actually scared me as a child. Like I watched this show when I was three, four years old, and I remember it quite well. I remember watching it in my uncle's house all the time. And this was an episode that that just it really did terrify me as a kid. Yeah, I, I mean, that. I can see it though. <laughs> I mean, especially if you watch the episode read from the start. You know, you got the crypt keeper. Yeah, I mean, when and you're he's, and he's well, that, in that alone was <laughs> just, one of the scariest things ever. I swear to God, Crypt so Keeper scared me more than anything as a kid. It looks so creepy what? in that Santa outfit, man. It just looks awful. It's like it's like what the fuck am I looking at, man? It's awesome, so good. Yeah, but yeah, you know, um, well, that sucks that you haven't seen the original one because I wanted to, you know, yeah, kind of compare the two. Oh, really? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, like. They're it's both not good. Not really that much to say about this one, besides you know, it's a slasher. Well, well it, it's a slasher. It's a condensed slasher. It's like the yeah. final part of it's the third act of a slasher film, and it basically I, is. I, I think that you add the kid in there, and it definitely adds to the suspense. Uh-huh. And that mm-hmm. was that was a great idea. You know, if it was just the woman, not as effective. Yeah, exactly. It's entertaining as fuck, though. Yeah, it, it is, and. I, you know what? The one scene that I always think of when I when I think of this short is when she's in the closet and she was looking for the gun earlier, and the camera is up so high, obviously she can't see up there, and it's pointed at the window, and you just see the gun sitting on the thing, and she has no idea that it's there, and yeah. she's in the closet with the gun. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so yeah. cool. Yeah, but, love the. Uh... <laughs> the fucking fire poker in the head. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a bit of comedy there. That's a bit of comedic now. <laughs> it, a, is, it is, it is, but it's like episode, you know, it funny. works. I mean, really, I mean, it is comedic totally because the killer himself is just like so over the top, ridiculously scary that it's almost the funny. Shit and he just keeps coming back. It's just funny, but it's yeah. completely unnoticeable. Like if you're a kid yeah. watching this, you will never pick up on any of the comedy. No, no. No, it's fucking terrifying. It's, you know, Santa Claus, you know, and shit. But, and, and, and it's just that classic tale, right? The, the killer has escaped from a mental asylum nearby. Yeah. And it, it's that it, when you first hear it on the radio and you know, it's like, oh, shit. It's the like, setting that's done so well in this, though, too. I mean, even very, though it has a nice atmosphere. atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, it does, man. It has that Christmas atmosphere like no tomorrow. Like the music is all Christmas. It's mm-hmm. snowing heavy the whole time, which is perfect. It never lets up. I mean, even though the snow is fake as hell in it yeah. and it's shot on a soundstage, you can totally tell. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. You know, like we th- these are things that we're going to notice, but it's it's just fantastic. It has such a great feel to it. Um. But, uh, you, you know, when I do watch this, it does kind of bug me. I wish they had to just, you know, put the, the temperature machines in there or something so they had some, you know, breath, uh-huh. you know, come out of them. Because if it's snowing like there, that. There's a little bit of it, though, isn't there? Like out, when she's outside. No, I don't think no? so, man. It was, I was watching for it purposely and I couldn't see it. And I was like, ah, fuck, that's so annoying. Just, you know. I mean, we all know. We all live in snowy near, uh, areas and shit yeah. like that. So, I, I mean. You know, fuck, man, we know. But, uh, you know, it's just little little things like that. But uh, I love the no, gleaming this... fireplace and stuff like that. that. That's the type of stuff that adds Christmas atmosphere to me, too. I just mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
but at the end of the day, there's not much you can actually yeah. say about this one because it is just a slasher. It's it's done really well, though. Exactly. I mean, there's some really good moments, though, like, you know, when he's creeping through, when he's looking through the window and stuff. And Oh, yeah. You know, oh, like, yeah. just those just those kind of subtle moments that are just like, holy fuck, dude. <laughs> like, but I think one of the coolest moments, though, is when she looks and she's kind of walking by and she kind of looks out the window and she notices that he's not laying there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's such a great moment. You're just like, mm-hmm. but, you know, like, you kind of know that something's going to happen. And Shit's going to go down. And then it happens. You're like, oh, fuck's sake, that's awesome. Yeah. You, you know what, though? Like, it's just shot well. It's shot. It's directed well because it just, it kind of, it kind of does it in passing, you know? Yeah. But it's effective. I, so. I think the key thing that works in, like, the actual story is, A, I already mentioned the kid, but two... Like, she had just done something bad. She had just killed her yeah. husband, so mm-hmm. she can't call the cops. She can't do anything. She's kind of stuck, you know? And I, it adds to an interesting dynamic. And, of course, you know, th- this one actually ends um, not not in a Just Desserts type way, actually, a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, it's it's the whole setup, though. It's like, you know, the woman does something bad and you know, like it's kind of like that. What goes around comes around theme. Yeah, but, which you know, it, like, and it's like you know, if you if you're if you're naughty throughout the year, you know, you're, you know, <laughs> something bad's that. gonna happen. You know, that's a pretty exactly interesting what, reference type thing. You know, it's exactly what it is. Like she kills her 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 husband, hmm. you know, and then she gets attacked by Santa, kind of thing. So I mean, there's there's some underlying things happening there too. So, but kind of cool, man. Kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. It's basic, but it's cool. So I, I I fucking love this episode. I think it's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, moving on to episode three, which is called Dig That Cat. He's Real Gone. Directed by Richard Donner. Who's done uh, like a don't... million and a half things. <laughs> uh, 79 Donner's. director credits. The Goonies. Superman 1 and kind of 2. Yeah, Richard Donner directed The Goonies, which is Lethal Weapon. You know, my, oh yeah, my all-time favorite yeah, non-horror film. I love love The Goonies. I actually rewatched The Goonies uh, last week with with the kid. He loved it. Good. He loved it. He loved. Yeah. He, he, it was so funny the part where Chunk, you know, the scene in the beginning of the film where Chunk's the watching the, <laughs> yeah. the milkshake and pizza on my the favorite window. part of the movie. Well, and when he goes shit, yeah. And, Troy looks up and his eyes just widen because I don't think he was expecting to see a movie with like language in it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you don't say it. And he's like, I won't say that. It's so funny. Yeah, you could say it. Yeah. But it was just it was just kind of funny how it happened. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. The, Richard Donner. Written by Terry Black, who wrote Dead Heat. Mm-hmm. An interesting episode. This one right episode. here, yes, is a very original episode it, it is it's original and it's you know it's kind of cool you know me i love my carny movies so yeah this, yeah this episode was one of my favorites for a long time it might be yeah, the I first did. episode i've ever seen actually yeah mm-hmm. yeah pretty sure it is really uh, yep fuck i couldn't even tell you the first episode i seen in tales of the crypt uh, i don't have a clue uh but yeah, the the premise of this episode right here, um, it's basically about a a doctor, a fucking crazy doctor that picks up this bum off the street and decides that he is well going to do some tests on him. He gives him a like a he, he basically implants him with 
cat cells or something like that. He's yeah. doing some type of it doesn't really on. get technical. It, it's like it cats have nine lives, right? That's yeah. that's the myth. I'm gonna take those nine lives, the soul of the cat, the the essence of what makes and those nine lives, and implants it into the bomb. And that's what's the beauty about these these shorts, these Tales mm-hmm. from the Crypt episodes, is they're they often mysterious, and they you just suspend your disbelief. You don't need to know how or what the reason is. Yeah. You don't need, yeah, you don't need the explanation, man. But I like that though. So, you know, he has this idea or he's been, he's told that he has nine lives now. And by proving it, the doctor shoots him and he comes back to life. And so he becomes a magician who exploits his gift by doing these shows where he dies on these, in these live shows. And then he comes back to life and he continues on and people pay big bucks to see him and he becomes a millionaire and becomes famous and stuff. And, and eventually yeah. they pay big bucks to kill him. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, but like it just shows money goes to your head. I think that's like you know, a message that are coming across. Well, he gets greedy, right? Because if yeah. it, if it, if it was just him, well, he, where knows, he, he's he did this thing where the, the doctor did that to him and then he just killed himself, himself a bunch and made money. Then, then there's no justifiable reason for him to get his just desserts. So he has to then, you know, kill the people around him and get more greedy and take their share too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I really like how this this episode ends up. I think oh, it's I so love fitting. The ending, because yeah, what, what is happening is he's telling the story, and yeah. we see him in a dark. Very face, similar to we just part see his one face. a little bit. Yeah, we just the see his episode. face talking to the camera, yeah. and he's like, and then this happened. <laughs> and then, you know, at the end, it's revealed where he is and what he's doing and yeah. what then happens to him. And honestly, I think it's one of the better endings in, you know, a lot of these Tales from the Crypt episodes. Like, I love the ending to this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. an original story. Yeah, oddly enough, man, this one is – it's hovering around my favorite episode with uh, the Christmas episode. Yeah. Um, I think it's because this one, you know, you're watching and then, you know, I guess the, the twist <laughs> happens and it's just so it's obvious, but I mean, the first time you watch this, do you get it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. You know, do you, do you think of it? Do you call it when you're first watching this? Probably not. I would assume so. Something's going to happen. Like what happened? You know, but I mean, it is Tales from the Crypt, right? Yeah. But I, I don't know. It's just, it's so fitting and it feels so right. And it's just awesome. It's, it's a great way to end the, the mm-hmm. episode. And I love it's the like, carnival setting. It's awesome. Yeah. Like Jeremy said, love my carny films and, and the car, the, the ringmaster, whatever you want to call him, the MC. Yeah. Man, that guy's funny as shit. <laughs> but everybody in Tales from Crypt episodes are funny as shit. Yeah. That's what I love about this show. They have such quirky characters. Mm hmm. And, and even the the lead actor who's playing the guy, like he just has this like s- slimy like personality and voice that, that is just perfect. Uh huh. Hmm. Hmm. Honestly, you know, in an episode like this that's so short, you're just you're looking forward to the next death. Yeah. I don't know. If, like yeah. me personally, man, I'm just like, how is he gonna die? Next? Like him how in that tank. Die? It's fucking like. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. There's lots of good ones, man. Yeah. You know? But uh... <laughs> it's funny when they're doing the. Uh, the 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 shooting with the crossbow mm-hmm. and uh the the old the dude's like i'm gonna have my son do this and, and he's like he's like coming up and he's like what do we got here a thousand and he, like just <laughs> that line of dialogue always makes me bust out <laughs> laughing because it's just like it's like as if he would go up to like any other place and be like what do we got here a dollar 
dollar for my boy. And, and that, but he's like, what do we got? A thousand? <laughs> it's just like, what? The fuck? Yeah, yeah. What do we got here? A thousand? And he pays the dude. Uh, I don't know how he pulls out a thousand dollars or whatever, but oh, this man. episode kind of comes off like super comical. Oh, it is. You know, it at, is. at times too, oh, it's, yeah. just like, it's so ridiculous. Obviously, the whole premise is is like stupid, right? But it comes off a little comical. But I think it works. You know, uh-huh. again, coming back to like the you know the comedy and in horror, you know, films and stuff. I think this one really did work. I think it's good because I mean, really, it. it I think it's the whole fact of having nine lives and dying that many times. It's ridiculous. You know, it's, it's never going to happen, but you know, I just, I just find it interesting. Yeah. I love that episode. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's, it's funny. I think, I think the comedy just works. Um, yeah, this episode right here has like some of the funniest transitions too, like from scene to scene, like some of the cheesiest transition effects and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you, know, you pointed that out because I, I thought that while watching it and I totally <laughs> forgot about it. But it kind of adds to the whole feel of the episode. It just – it kind of fits in. It's kind of mm-hmm. funny how it works. You know, you notice it as being like cheesy and bad, but it kind of fits in and works. I don't know. I really enjoy this episode. It's actually – like I said, it's pretty much one of my favorite ones on the It is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think, it's this, fun. I, think, I think this one might be, be my favorite too actually. But, All right. Next up. Yeah. Yeah. Episode four, which is called Only Sin Deep, directed by Howard Dutch. Has he done anything? Howard Dutch. I don't know. Has he done anything? Uh, Uh, A lot of TV. Oh, this is the TV guy? Yeah, he, he just did a lot of TV. He directed Pretty in Pink. And then a lot of TV. That's where the name comes. He's directing American Horror Story, though. Yeah, we talked about this. And he's married to Leah Thompson. Which is funny that she said He's married to Leah Thompson? Yeah. Was he married to her when they did this episode? Yeah. They just got married. Interesting. That makes sense. That's very cool. I did not know that. Very interesting. Description. Starring starring Leah Thompson. (laughs) Pretty cool. This would have been the year that she did Back to the Future 2, which is relevant. She's not as hot as she is in Jaws 3, but she's all right. Looks pretty damn good in this one. Yeah. Uh, someone want to give the synopsis of this one? Yeah, a, a hooker wants to live the luxurious <laughs> lifestyle, but she's a hooker. So she shoots a man, steals his jewelry, goes to pawn it, but the pawn shop owner, broker, is like, this is hot. This is red hot. He's like, hell no, bitch. But (laughs) if you let me mold your face and take your beauty, I will give you all the money you need. She does. She ends up getting the guy of her dreams. And she has 90 days to reclaim her beauty. Or six months, actually. But she she doesn't. Four months. Four months. But she doesn't reclaim her beauty. And bad things start happening to her. Yeah, the bad things is she starts aging like... and of course that's not good for her image because she's married to like a like you said a rich playboy Mm -hmm. and he's got standards and if she can't live up to the standards well then she's got to do something fucking drastic you know and yeah uh i like this episode man i've always liked this episode it's yes it's fun I, i i think it's you know 
she's self-obsessed she's narcissistic that's the thing man and i think an episode like this i think people can just you know they just recognize it and they can relate to it maybe not so much relate to it, but they know it mm-hmm. yeah you know, it's, it's your it's, it's your classic tale of beauty is only skin deep exactly exactly <laughs> Man, I love when she start when she starts aging. Fuck, dude. The, <laughs> I love the scene where she's in the uh, in the pawn shop. Like, wh- like she's pretty much far gone now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was the cop, and it was like the day or was it, it was right after she did something to the Playboy. And uh, anyways, the pawn shop owner kind of dismissed her, and she's running out of the place, and the cop was just like. I think you said something about how nasty she looks. It just fucking cracked me up. I was like, fucking yeah. old hag. So I was like, yeah, yeah. The makeup is fucking really good because she really does. Yeah, look dude. Yeah. She uh-huh. does look super gross. And that part just, I always remember that part every time I watch this. I'm just like, oh, that. I, you kind of feel bad for it. It's like, oh, that sucks. But then again, she kind of had her, she kind of made her own destiny there. Yeah. You, you know, by being a fucking gold digger, man. She's just, she's just a fucking leech. She's just a gold digging, you know. Yeah, horror. But they get like there's like deserve, a, really. a whole bunch of episodes in this series what that has around, like comes around. a whole bunch of episodes in this series that revolves around fucking Gold beauty. Digging. Not that, but beauty and you yeah. know, yeah. like the episode with the guy who changes his body to look young. You know, there's a whole bunch of episodes as time goes on that addresses this issue of beauty. It's yeah, but I, this episode is it's not, it's not my favorite. Episode. It's not my favorite, but go ahead. Sorry. One thing I like love about this episode, though, it feels so fucking eighties and awesome, man. The music is awesome. Dude, that's some of my favorite kind of music. I just love that feel, man. I don't know. It takes me back. To me, it's it's like like so glamorous. I remember hearing that type of shit when I was a kid. Yeah, it it fits so well in this episode because it's like kind of glamour music, and that's what it's about. It's about you know glamour and you know the effects of beauty. You know, like, yeah, what can happen, you know, and I don't know. It just, it fits really well. It was just perfectly executed with it. So how about that that. accent on Leah Thompson? Yeah, I know. Right. That is a thick accent. What is that? New Jersey or something? Fuck. I would assume it's some type of Jersey. Yeah. I I like it. I I think it adds a lot of character to the character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those episodes where I think like the ending is even more sinister than like say like the 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 get the episode before this one dig that caddy's real gone because the way that this one ends like the ending it's permanent suffer yeah I think the ending is appropriate for some reason I'm not really the biggest fan of the ending in this one for some reason I really like it yeah I mean like I said like I I. I understand it makes sense, but I don't know. I'm not like overly the hugest fan of it. I, I don't know. I guess it kind of makes sense because it's kind of the theme of the whole show, right? It's like these episodes don't really have the happiest of endings, mm-hmm. generally. Oh, yeah. Never, never. Right? So it, it <laughs> so it definitely does. Yeah, exactly. So it kind of fits, but well, maybe yeah. episode six a little bit. But. Some of them do. Some some of them have not not happy endings, but definitely like one. Well, they're not on the. Like, they're not on the. Yeah. yeah. Uh. You know, again, though, going back to the thing where I said in the previous episode, this one, the guy is stealing people's beauty to, like, resurrect his dead wife. And it's just something you don't question. It's just magic. It's voodoo. You don't care. 
You just that's the story, and that that's something interesting about Tales from the Crypt. I've always found able to just capture this shit that it it might not make sense, it might not be logical, it might not be possible, but you just don't care. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It kind of, you know, this show makes you separate yourself from from reality, and it kind of just sucks you into these stories that are somewhat realistic, but at the same time they're. They're, you know, they're way out in left magic. field. They're fucking magic. Exactly, like, you magic. You just buy it right field. away, though. Like you do not have one single like skepticism. You don't question. have time to, though. Yeah, it's interesting too because I think the is it episode three or is it one of the episodes is like really short. It's only like twenty two minutes. It's kind of funny. There, there's one really yeah. short one. I think it is. Episode. Is it the first episode? No, I think the first one's long. I don't know. One of them is like actually like like a norm like you know that length of a TV show with commercials. It's like twenty two minutes. Fucking strange. Yeah. But I thought that was weird. But yeah, not really a whole lot to say about Only Sin Deep. It's uh, I think Leah Thompson does a great job in the episode. I think that she sells it off well. It, it, you know, Jeremy brought up the accent, which was very appropriate. You know, I think. I think I brought it up. That JP brought it. Was it you? <laughs> yeah. Was it you? Oh, I was trying to give Jeremy some credit here, man. Fuck. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. Fucking two o'clock in the morning. I got all the credit I need for today. Yeah. <laughs> I want credit. But uh, I don't know. I, I like the whole mystery of you know the the owner and the and the molds and you know the souls and <laughs> it's like I don't know, man. You know, I could see this episode. I think it actually would be quite interesting. You know, is it just me? I mean, like a lot of these episodes would be okay if they were like into full length episodes. But I, I would, you know, just having some story to this and like, I don't know. Sometimes I just want more. I'm not taking anything away from this episode in particular, mm-hmm. but there are sometimes I just want to explore yeah. like everything mm-hmm. that's in the episodes and stuff and just, you know, but yeah. And going back to what you said, it was and all through the house is 22 minutes. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Second episode. Let's move on. Episode five is titled "Lover Come Hack to Me." I always <laughs> describe this episode as the episode that everybody forgets from yeah, season one. Yeah, I don't one. really remember it that much. Directed by Tom Holland, of course, from Child's, Child's Play, Play. <laughs> Psycho. Two. Did he do a Psycho? Yeah. I love Tom Holland, man. He's a cool guy. I'm friends with him on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Tom Holland directed the film that, you know, I credit to, you know, my passion for horror films, he which is Fright Night. He wrote Psycho 2. He wrote Psycho 2. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he he directed Fright Night, which is the one that I always think of first. Of course, Jeremy doesn't with Child's Play. Um, but yeah, this episode right here. Um, yeah, you know, I won't lie. This is definitely my least favorite episode in the in the first season. Um, I think it's like the less memorable, like JP said. Yeah, no, it, 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 it just really is. is. <laughs> I love, I love the fucking the uh, IMDb description. Like the first one says, Peggy wants to make sure her honeymoon turns out perfect. <laughs> That's it. Uh, yeah. That's fucking- so you have once again a gold digger, but this time it's a male who marries yep. this offbeat kind of weirdo, kind of unattractive played by Amanda girl. Plummer. Played by Amanda Plummer, she's the uh, she's the girl in um, probably most famous for 
Pulp Fiction. Yeah. She's the girl in the coffee shop. Yeah. And, and you know, he marries her and they're on their honeymoon and he uh, – they stop at this house because their car breaks down or there's a tree in the road or something. It's seemingly abandoned and he has this whole plot where he's just marrying her for her money, money. and she uh, – kind of catch him wind to it but he kind of plays it off a little bit it's kind of just back and forth thing that they're doing uh honestly i feel like this one could have benefited from being a little shorter this one's 29 minutes and i I think that if it was in the 25 minute mark it, it, it could have benefited from that but honestly this time watching it i've always like not really cared for this episode but this time watching it i actually liked it i, I found that the character the amanda palmer girl was actually very like sympathetic like a very sympathetic character like i felt bad for her man the dude's a dick he was a dick i don't know if i felt bad for her i mean yeah i guess so but she just wanted love man well every character in tales from the cryptos wanted love but that doesn't work yeah yeah i don't know i i just you know this one right here i like the setting you know, I like the uh, dark and stormy night. Yeah, I mean, those are always fun. You know, it, it's a great, you know, attempted atmosphere. You know, and stuff. I find this one just kind of falls flat because I don't really know why. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I just feel that's why I'm not really like saying much morning. about this that's one. Why. Like I no, can't really I, like. I feel that no, I honestly feel this one just doesn't have anything going for it. Like I, I just, until it kind of, you know, develops a twist or whatever that goes on. Um, the, the twist is honestly kind of weak though. Like I, that, I, I don't that, think it's very I think impressive. That, I think that's actually what it is, is that you're kind of going, okay, where's this thing going? And then the twist happens and then you're like, okay, that's it. So I don't know, man. I think that's what it is. You know, I, I you know, there's, it's just kind of, kind of slow and, you know, undeveloped. I mean, you know, undeveloped. I guess all, technically all these are undeveloped, really. Yeah. Well, so the, kind of this one is excuse. all development, though. It's all development, kind of. Yeah. With the I guess. relationship, like but it's really it's, slow, though. Yeah, because I guess it's, it's just all slow. development. <laughs> I. That's probably exactly what it is. Thanks for pointing that out. You know, sometimes <laughs> you just need a little nudge into the right direction. <laughs> I, think was, I think that's exactly what it is. You know. Um, I'm not going to take anything away. I think the the filming in this one's actually great. I think Tom Holland did a great job. Um, I, I I just think the the story itself is not interesting. Yeah. So that's what it, that's what I'll say. It's, it's just not interesting. I think it's like I, the I least it original out of the bunch. I, I think it doesn't help that it's it's you know paired up with all these greats. You know what I mean? You know that could be part of it though too, man. You know, watching these anthology series and you know you get an episode that's kind of you know not up to the the par of some of the other ones and you're like, well, that one's not really that great. But then when you think about it, it's still pretty good. Yeah. I, but I, it's, I like it's, it. It's, but it's not like, you know, it's not on the, on the level the other ones are. Yeah. I don't hate this one at all. I used to like it a lot, a lot less. Like I'm serious this time watching it. I liked it more than I ever have in my life. And I've seen this, I've seen this whole first season probably 10 or more times. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. weird. And now you just find something different in it than you did the last time. I, I honestly, it, it probably stems from me kind of wanting to not watch this one. Like you know, get into this one. I was like, eh, you know, you, you're not looking forward to this one. So you you kind of at your you 
are expecting as least of it as possible, and then you it know, surprises I, you a little bit. I really do think that this one is, you know, like you said, it's all development, but I think this one is also the most predictable one, though, too. It is. And it I is. think that's another element that's not good for it, too. Uh, you know, the one thing it does really do, that it does have going for it is that uh, it's probably the bloodiest episode in the first season, I would say. I can't really that think I can of even think, think of. Um, episode two is pretty bloody. It is, but I think this one kind of outdoes it a little bit with with well, one scene. I will tell you one thing: that battle axe is cheesy as hell, and it looks <laughs> stupid, and it looks fake. Well, it looks fake because you have to remember that thing being handled by that per like. Come on, you can tell it's not heavy. Yeah. <laughs> If that was all still, those battle that axes thing would be usually heavy. weigh like fifty pounds, man. There's no way you're fucking swinging that thing around. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, good setting, a little predictable. Yeah, I don't know. It's still not a bad episode, though. So. It it really isn't though. Like, I mean, I mean, honestly, I think the only episodes in Tales from the Crypt where I kind of go, "Oh, this sucks." Okay, this isn't the greatest. Is Honestly, when when the show shifts to the UK and That's I think weird. Was, they can't do anything right in season six and seven, I think were the the two seasons where it shifted over there. But I think it's just seven. Is yeah. it just seven? Okay, yeah. so it is because I was referring to season seven is where I was going. But in season seven, there's some episodes where I'm just like, I'm maybe there's a the comedy barrier barrier here here, and <laughs> my God, I can't fucking talk. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I think there was some type of yeah. <laughs> There was some type of resistance there allowing me to understand what was going on. So, I don't know. But, yeah. Episode 5, Tom Holland's moving on. Yeah. Episode 6. The final episode in Tales from the Crypt Season 1 is called... most weirdest. <laughs> yeah. Is Collection Updated, directed by Mary Lambert. Definitely, you could see a lady directing this one. Of course, is famous for directing Pet Cemetery And Pet Cemetery too. And Pet Cemetery Two, yes, she did direct Pet Cemetery Two. Um, and uh, she do anything else? Halloween Town Two, Urban Legends, uh, Mega Python versus Gatoroid, classic. <laughs> <laughs> what does well, her career come? To? Her, her her career. Well, it's interesting, man. She got some like Madonna <laughs> videos on here and stuff. It's weird. Yeah. Such a strange filmography. Yeah, definitely. But this one <laughs> follows Jonas, who is forced into mandatory retirement, where he finally realizes that something's wrong with his wife because he finally has the time to pay attention to her. Yeah. She loves animals oh, a lot. No, no, she loves animals weirdly a lot. Yeah. She's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so this one I always like found to feel like a sitcom and it's probably because it's like on a soundstage. Wow. I never looked at it like that. That's I've always felt like this one felt like a sitcom to me. Hmm. Hmm. I, I, I can see honest, that though. Yeah. I never even like how the neighbor comes over and is like, what you doing, Jonas? <laughs> he's like, I'm trimming these damn trees, you know? <laughs> <laughs> mm hmm. Mm. You just feel for this guy. 
Like you, he feels like he worked his entire life, right? He just feels like he feels like such a grumpy old man to me. It's like, but he has all the right in the world to be grumpy, yeah. Because he's worked six days a week. It's like when you have like an old like Grandpa Edward who's like racist as hell, but you're like, "Eh, this Grandpa Edward, he kind of came from a different time. He's allowed to be like that. (laughs) The fucking dog comes through the fucking door, and she pays more attention to the dog than the fucking. Jonas, it's just oh, it, like but, wait, he just looks so frustrated. Like this guy's performance is great, dude. But it's it makes it, but it makes all. But those scenes are perfect for the episode because you know he's worked six days a week for forty seven years, and to provide his wife with everything that she's wanted and stuff, he's never taken a day off, and then she takes it all for granted. Yeah, you know, and she spends all of her time and effort and love and gives it to these animals and stuff and but but who the fuck wouldn't act like this i would take but, a taxidermy too man <laughs> but it's also partly due to him not paying attention to her she dev- she goes crazy mm-hmm. he <clears throat> spends all of his time working and that's why it's not like she just started doing this all of a sudden yeah yeah it's yeah. it's he didn't notice he mm-hmm. didn't notice that she was crazy and there's even a scene where he's kind of like talking to his neighbor and the neighbor's like, yeah, she's been like that for a while, dude. And he's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love true. this guy's – I think it's pure gold. This guy's performance is so goddamn funny to me. Like I love it. You know what this episode reminds me of? John Landis's Masters of Horror episode, Family. I thought you were going to bring that up. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but from what I've heard about it, it seems pretty similar. What about you, Mids? Which episode? Family. John Landis's episode of Masters of Horror season two. Yeah, I can see I can see the relation to it, yeah, with George Went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh <laughs> that episode is so good though. I, I find this it's one to be so... the oddball ending. Oh dude, the ending is fucking hilarious in this episode, man. Honestly, this one has the funniest ending in the first season. It's funny. Yeah, I don't know. It is, but it, it is, makes is it sense, just me though. that finds it so funny? Because oh, I literally have in my notes, haha, that end. That's yeah, they get that fucking dog. <laughs> you see a stuffed dog, you know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh boy. I don't know, man. I just find it fucking funny. Like, I don't find it, you know, brutal or, you know, malicious yeah, or anything. This is I just, a comedy for sure. Episode totally. I just find it funny. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't know. It, it's It's comical. But I think, yeah, I think the, the leads in this episode, I think they both do a great job. You know, the, the husband and the wife, I think they both do an amazing job. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the most like, excellent. offbeat episodes. Oh, yeah, for sure. For definitely sure. the oddball out of the first season. I'm but, saying like in general, in like the first few seasons, it's like one of the ones that stands out for being strange. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Elisa has good acting and mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I honestly think it's like a great ending to the season because although it's not like a, a powerful, like, like awesome, super awesome episode in terms of just like badass, it, it's just it's it's a fun way to li- li- to end the season. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, how do we want to do this? Uh, ranking. You want me to go first? Yeah, sure. Okay. Least favorite is Lover Come Back. No, Lover Come Hack to me. I'm going to go backwards because I'm cool like that, like we did Children of the Corn. Mm -hmm. Number five would be Only Sin Deep. Mm -hmm. Number three 
Ooh, this is hard now. Four. Number four. Number four would be Collection Completed. Mm-hmm. Number three, The Man Who Was Death. Number two, And All Through the House. And number one, Dig That Cat. He's real gone. Interesting. Mine's a little varied, but pretty similar. Number six is Lover Come Hack to Me. Number five is Only Sin Deep. Number four is Collection Complete. Number three is in All Through the House. Number two was The Man Who Was Death. And number one is Dig That Caddy's Real Gone. Uh, yeah, my least favorite was episode five. Uh, Lover Come Hack to Me. <laughs> um, then followed by episode six. Uh, collection complete. Collection isn't it? Collection updated. Collection complete. This is a fucking DVD update or something. (laughs) Whatever. Shit. Um, It's only fucking twelve fifteen by you, mood. So don't stop your bitching. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking Canadian. Uh, Then after that would be probably. uh, What do I have? Episode five, <laughs> episode six. <laughs> episode five, episode six. This is like a Jeremy uh, crash and burn. No, I just I fucking don't have it written down. I'm just like trying to scroll through the fucking, you know. Um, you only got four more choices. Come on. Yeah, and then I'm go with episode. I think it's episode four. Episode four. Only send deep. Only send deep. Only sin deep. Yeah, three more episodes. <laughs> In JP. Yeah, and then I go with episode episode one. Man who is death. Man who is death. Then episode two. All through the house. And then episode three. Episode yeah. three. Dig that cat. Like a, He's yeah. on. So that, the that same was, rankings as Jeremy. That was really hard. Really? Okay. No. So that was that was really hard to do because I was like scrolling back and forth. <laughs> I wish I had a really. Oh yeah, hard. his yeah his bottom ones were flipped. Yeah. 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 So that is going to do it for episode fifty nine. The season. What's that? I thought we was rating the season. Oh shit! We want to rate the fucking season. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's so fucking hard to do, you go man. First, Mids. Uh, holy shit! If I had to average these out, man, of what I had them individually rated at, um, I am probably going to give this whole season a eight out of ten. Not bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll come with the same thing. Eight out of ten. Yeah, me too. Eight out of ten. Holy shit! Look at that. Those ratings took forever, and we're all like eight out of tens. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I had these all. Did you guys individually rate these at all? No. no. I, I was doing it as you was talking just to see what my actual average would be, but... I actually had mine individually rated, so it's like, whatever. But, yeah. 8 out of 10s all around. That's very interesting. I think that's appropriate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's very appropriate, actually. So, very good first season. Um, I think it would be very cool to, you know, continue this on and do... Season two. Well, that's yeah. 16 episodes. Yeah, it, it's fine. We'd be fine. 16 episodes is only like eight, watching no, a couple it's, films. It's 18 episodes. We'd be fine. We'd be fine. 
for one episode? Yeah, we'd be fine, dude. <laughs> we just have to rip through them, man. Okay. Yeah. Alrighty, so that is going to do it for episode 59 here on the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. That was very, very fun. And it's glad to have Jeremy back in the house. Yeah. Right? As Next episode will be... I'm not that bad, actually. Like, actually. I'm fucking so tired. No, I actually did all right. I did all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So next episode, what are we doing next episode, guys? For the people that are still with us, we will announce it to you guys. Derek. Night of the Demons. <laughs> Night of the Demons franchise. franchise. Yeah. So that is... Uh, there's four... I was going to say episodes. Four films in the franchise. That is, of course, including... The remake. Oh boy. Yes, the remake. Um, which I have not seen since I watched it when it came out and I did not like it. So Yeah, but we also said that with Children of the Corn, both of us. But you know, you, that's that's the beauty of watching things years later after you've been, you know, braiding films and watching them differently and stuff. You know, you just you you, you soak in a little whatever I'm just blabbering on. But you know what? Yeah. Angela's having a party. Jason and Freddie are too scared to come, but you'll have a hell of a time. Check out that tagline. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's got Edward Furlong in it, and uh, I was going to say Molly Shannon, for fuck's sakes. Shannon Elizabeth. Shannon Elizabeth is in that film, too. Um, But yeah, that's going to do it for the episode, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. So, Jeremy, take us out. Oh, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 59 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast. If you want to follow the man Moods himself, you could do so at youtube.com slash mood616. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, please click the subscribe button down below and add to his thumbs down collection. If you want to follow <laughs> JP over on his channel, you could do so at youtube.com slash doubleshotj. And, of course, he is still a fucking asshole who does not love Pee Wee Herman. And as always, you can follow me on my channel, youtube.com slash nesruler22, because I am awesome. And you could leave us a voicemail if you want at 724-426-6665. And you could send us an email at 22shotsofmoodsandhorror at gmail.com. That's 22shotsofmoodsandhorror at gmail.com. That's andhorror.com at gmail.com <laughs> we're tired guys we're tired Today, uh, follow us on twitter twitter.com slash 22 shots podcast or just go to the search bar at 22 shots podcast you can follow us on the facebook page facebook.com search bar 22 shots of moods and horror and I think that shall do it oh yeah you could always follow us on our website 22 shots of moods and horror.com it's 22 shots of moods and horror.com and as always, we should talk to you guys next week with episode number 60, number 60 already of the 22 Shots of Boots and Horror Podcast. Who the fuck would have thought we'd still be going? Should talk to you guys next week. See you guys. Peace, peace, peace.